Hi everyone, and welcome to episode one of Game Face, the flagship show of Sifted Games, coming very soon to a web browser near you. I'm Shane Satterfield. And I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> Actually, this is Marcus Beer. Hopefully some of you guys remember us. We used to do a show called Invisible Walls on Game Trailers for many, many years. Uh, we have reunited for this show called Game Face, and uh, welcome. I'm looking for a fuck to give because I am out when it comes to Nintendo. And look, you've been this way forever, though. No, you, not you just don't. Really, I, start the first, I remember the first Invisible Walls con- episodes like the first 16-bit five years ago when I'd look over during a Nintendo topic and you'd be checking your phone for you messages. Know, it was- Even if it's higher horsepower, you know, if you're doing a huge open-world game, you can do so much more. See, here's the thing about that. We had the same architecture, basically, as the GameCube, and the same power. A little more juice, but not much. But you had to work motion controls into everything. Yeah, which I actually loved. I I was glad I ended up playing the Wii version of that game. But here, you know, is this also a harbinger of what we're going to see with the NX? Is the NX going to be similar to power to the Wii U the way the Wii was to the GameCube? And also, you know, the most prized demographic in the world is... 18, is it 18 to 34? 18 to 34. Four, yeah. Um, which I'm about to be leaving, thank God. Uh, you know? Then no one will care about you anymore. Stop fucking around. Stop giving the kids access to these games. Oh, but he's so precocious. Precocious is a fancy word for your child being a little cunt. Stop putting your child into an online environment that they're not mentally equipped to handle. I mean, it's a shame that it's got to the place where Nintendo's relying on little... Inartic- inarticulate toys to turn a profit. Physical DLC. Yeah, I mean that's really what it is. It's just instead of a code, you've got a little piece of plastic that holds your DLC on it. Which. But if you want to play the DLC and you can't find the plastic and you're shit out of luck. Yeah, yeah, you can't punch a code in and make it work. So yeah, I, I think anybody who discounts Oculus is is in for a rude awakening. Um, I think that Morpheus will be interesting. I really have no clue what the Hololens is. I really don't. It looks like Google Glass after taking some ecstasy. I really, I, I just don't, I don't understand it enough yet. So the second topic today is Nintendo. This headline, man, is so great. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Especially when you have, when you made the decision that Nintendo made, where they're like, we're not having a show anymore. Yeah. And that's still... Uh, and we, you we, know we, what? I feel like that's a cop-out. I feel like, that's like the guy who's like, who takes his ball and goes home because he lost. How's it going, Sifters? Happy Tuesday to you. It is Game Face episode 19, and I am here with the permanent co-host of Game Face, Matt Kyle. Hello. Yeah, here we are for a special Monday edition of Game Face. Matt Kyle to my right. He is a busy, busy man these days. He is flying all over the world, all over the place. We had this little buffer period. You just came back from like Sweden, yeah, where you had meatballs aplenty. I'm assuming. Oh, ton. Yeah, that's all there was. <laughs> meatballs you, and pickled herring. That's all you can buy is meatballs. That's yeah. it. <laughs> the last gen versions for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 will not come with the campaign. Wow, <laughs> that's interesting. That is insane. Um, by the way, is it cost any less? Yes, it is $10 off. Oh, so basically wow. they've now put a monetary so the, figure the on their campaigns campaign. campaigns are $10. They're worth $10. Think hmm. about all the time and effort they put into the campaign and they've ultimately decided it was worth $10. A lot of people are evaluating this game based upon what they expected the game to be, not what they just actually sat down and played. And like one of the editorial policies that I've always had is 
whether at GT or wherever, is that if you go into, if you preview a game, you can't review the game because it creates expectations about the game. And when you review a game, you should go into it without any expectations and just review the game for what it is. And he's like, I like boobs. <laughs> and like everyone, even the people I know that like don't want to play sexualized female characters in games, like I respect that. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, like it's like I like boobs. I want my game to have huge boobs in it. That's what I'm here for. And it's just like, yeah, all right, you do you. Thumbs up. Yep. Okay. That was only for the people on the stream who are going to fix that. Huh? Oh, it'll be fixed. Yeah. So only the people who are on the stream will ever know how the first attempt at our new format went. The dude walks over, looks in the hole, and the firework goes off, and it flies up and hits him in the head. He turns and looks at us, and his scalp is pulled all the way to the top of his head. <laughs> I mean, I haven't played a Battlefield campaign since Modern Warfare 3. Um, but well, Call of Duty campaign. Uh, yeah, uh, Battlefield. They're all the same. No, it's all blending together. We got all these um, shooters. A lot of like, shooters in the last couple of I weeks. have been shooting my ass off. We suffered through what it was, what it's like to really be a nerd, to be like the outcast, like the person who was different from everybody else for doing this. You're not a nerd anymore if you're playing video games. And I feel like a lot of people say, oh, I'm a nerd, and they assign this like tag to themselves, but they don't really know what it really is. Okay. They won't even come into the hallway. They'll all, they'll sit and like hold cover, mm -hmm. and you're like waiting for them to pop out, and next thing you know, some dude comes from the side and like shoots you in the head and kills you. Like, it's completely unpredictable, yeah. and I love and the that very part. first. Student, I realize yeah. a lot of you guys right now want to like stab me in the eyeball. Uh, the community has just been absolutely incredible. Somebody on the on the site today was talking about how they can't believe it. They've been on the site all this time. They've never seen an argument, and I haven't yeah. either. I've never yeah. even seen an argument. It really doesn't like everybody. Like even if people disagree on things, I've seen it's like, yeah, that's a good point. The long-awaited indie game Owlboy and the very, very soon-to-be-released NES Classic Edition. And that's not all, folks. We're going to talk to you about BlizzCon 2016, Skyrim Special Edition, and much, much more. Let's go. I don't even know if on Monday if we even have any people watching the show live. I haven't been able to check the chat since we first launched. Well, they missed some good stuff. Shane had a burning desire to prove that we do wear pants on the show. <laughs> so People have been asking are. for a long time. And yeah, in fact, we do wear pants while we're doing the show. Uh, Mike's Q, what type of game would you play that starred Hugh Jackman? Yeah. And how many versions of him would be in it? <laughs> hmm. That's a really good question. So what you're saying is like, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, but with Hugh Jackman movies. This is one of the ugliest levels that I've ever seen in video games, <laughs> by the way. Where they really put, yeah, where they pushed the, the HD rumble thing, and but they didn't yeah. really have any examples of what it was ex or why we should care. Because we were like, for, why like, are what? they concentrating so hard yeah. on the Joy-Con? We couldn't figure it out. We're like, yeah. what? why? Because like, the only it? thing they really had to demonstrate it was 1-2 Switch, and right. it was like, no one gives a shit about yeah, that. Yeah. And like, Now we're starting yeah. to see the master plan unfold. Yeah, and then that, uh, you can see that um, the, blue, uh, the blue skull there. So that is a. Um... I might get my ass whooped here. Oh, yeah, now now they're all on. <laughs> hey, you know when I whistle for you and like, sometimes you cross an ocean to get to me, but then you get hung up on a tiny little fence post. Like, what's that about? <laughs> and funny. and Roach just goes, "Hey, man, no, nobody's good at everything." <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm sure there will be. My guess is the beginning of the game is going to send you out on some like crazy, awesome, badass Viking raid, like what you're describing. But then. 
uh, then you leave. You, you, burn, you torch the place, you kill the, kill the, you know, you loot the stuff, and you kill the people, and you take the things, and you whatever. And one of the things you you loot happens to be An a apple. first civilization. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like, like that's gonna be that village's like sacred object or something, and you take it, and somebody's like, don't take it, and you take it, and the whole sh place shakes, and the, you know, like. I swear to God, I don't have any inside info on this game, but I guarantee you. <laughs> and you sail back, and they'll put this, the title Assassin's Creed Kingdom up as you sail into the harbor of your home Viking village, and everybody will come out, and you'll, you'll do like the slow walk through the whole village, <laughs> back up like, to the long house. Back. Like, oh, okay. and, like, the kids will run out, and the dog will come out, and your character will pet the dog, so you like your character now because he pets dogs, and you get up to the long house, and the, the chief, who's like probably your dad or your uncle or something, comes out, and it's like, it's like, what have you brought back? We brought back many things! You know, like yeah. a, and then they'll have the whole thing, they'll find this thing, and it'll like, <clears> go like, <throat> and it'll like, it'll like dissolve somebody important, and then they'll blame you for it, and you have to leave the village, and go out into the world, and recruit your whole group and then you'll run into somebody who's like some kind of proto assassins guild guy and you'll end up like helping them and then they'll find out you have one of those artifacts you're like oh i'm gonna stick with you and then that's how you're gonna end up on this whole quest to figure out what the templars are doing and all this i mean you know i'm right you know that's exactly well, what yeah, this fucking that's game how is they all be. play out if people in the chat could keep shane updated on the uh penguins no yeah <laughs> Like Only Shane, if they win. Shane doesn't have. Uh, Shane doesn't have. The ch I'm the only one that can see the chat right now. So uh, just tell me, and I'll decide whether or not to tell him. It's like, no, you're not up behind cover. You're sliding. You're sliding all yeah, the time. All you're the moving, time. moving, yeah, moving. Yeah. It's a platinum game. You got to move, move, move. It's like yeah. one of the. It, it, they it tried kind of, to make you play it like it was Gears. Yeah, and it was. You saw that for a long time with Japan. They saw the success of Gears of War. They're like, mm. oh, well, we need to make a cover-based something. Dude, blowing farts is an attack. That's not funny anymore. It's like... And that's all your character can do. You're right. That's pretty like, much the whole game. Like, nobody wants to play... It wants a SimCity game that ends after eight hours. That's why I said 15. Yeah, or 15 <laughs> or whatever. 15 <laughs> is extra, still not very an extra long. extra seven hours. It's our monitor. So this is so Matt and I can see what's actually going on with the show. Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go into infinity. Also, what I should have said off the top of the show is we have a new TriCaster TD. His name is Jared, and he has his own space now. He's right inside that window. Maybe you can see his hand sticking <laughs> up there. Yeah, uh, it is not a shower. Yeah, so... <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Game Face here on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I have my old friend and a great friend, Brandon Jones from Easy Allies, is here with us today. It's time for our trailer of the week here on Game Face, episode 174. If you guys have been on Sifted in the last couple of days, I can guarantee you know what the trailer of the week is going to be this week. <laughs> Best game ever. Champion Canadian swimmer, Dick Pound. His, uh, his parents, I can't, I can't figure out if they were awesome or cruel. I mean, he doesn't have to go by that. It could be hey, Richard. Richard, yeah, you're right. He, he chose to go by Dick Pound. So Dick Pound said that um, <laughs> if, if the coronavirus concerns become too big, they will cancel the Olympics this year. I've been so stressed out since E3 that I think I'm about to buy that property. <laughs> just moved to the woods by a lake. The pack attack where he's like, so get ready for the attack. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, this isn't Pactor well, at He's all. told the story about the first Pactor Factor episode right. where they forced him to read off a script and he said, screw you. Yeah. If I read off a script, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you can say whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> I have known of you guys for a long, long time, for since I was in middle school. And so, you know, when you meet the people that 
you grow up with as heroes and you know he might you guys... be a little kind <laughs> well <laughs> heroes i don't know about that you well, might want to reserve that for people who are in the military <laughs> well it's just uh you look up to i look up to you guys and to have you not disappoint in any capacity <laughs> it's just wait amazing. till you get to know me a little better mitch <laughs> <laughs> well you also are taller in person a lot better a lot taller than i expected funny <laughs> Yeah. I think it's more of just the sentiment of don't go to Boston because you're mm-hmm. going to get coronavirus. And I think it's – I mean, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, if you're in any kind of urban area – I mean, it's already come through L.A., I promise. Like, it's it's a very contagious disease. So, uh, good luck. How are you hanging in there, it. Matt, through quarantine? Have you Are you starting to go crazy yet? No, no more than usual. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> – like it's weird. Like this is the longest I've ever gone without seeing another human being. Like, yeah. Other than like passing people on the street that I don't know or whatever. So like that's starting to grind on me because I am something of an extrovert. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Apparently we got six more weeks of this, so at least. So better get used to it. What's it like being in there by yourself for this show? It's it's weird being here for me anyway. It's weird. I will admit, it's I'm not hearing voices to my left, and it's a little strange. But uh, we're gonna make it. I mean, it's been since we sheltered in place, uh, we kind of been in the studio on our own a lot more often, and it's kind of been getting used to. But doing the show like this yeah. is really strange. How good is that game gonna look on PS5, my friends? Yeah, that's why. Wow. I'm, that's why I'm pretty sure I wow. will. Wow! I can't even imagine. People are calling it like the Switch Pro. People are calling it like what's the other one? The Super Nintendo Switch. Which of those two yeah. do you like better, this, Matt? Uh, neither. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> that's SnowshoeRanchMT.com. Man, I was so relaxed. I just wanted to pull out my Switch and, you know, play some Paper Mario while I was listening to that because it was just so relaxing. So, <laughs> Not at all a canned segue into our first topic of episode 221, which is Paper Mario, the Origami King. Talk about video games for three hours in the middle of this. This is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I totally get it. I can't it. wait till we get to the talking about the game that's about a horrible uh, authoritarian <laughs> regime taking over a small country. Uh huh. You then fight against <laughs> in a guerrilla style. Oh man! Uh, also alongside us today we have Jared, who is at the the mothership handling tricasting duties. What's going on, Jared? How are you, man? I'm doing okay. How are you doing there? You know. Uh, if you always have a helmet on and you are never to take that helmet off ever, why do you have the mustache? <laughs> I don't know. Because that's uncomfortable. Because no one will ever see it. Right. No one will ever see it. It's just for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Game Face, episode 290 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. And not only that, welcome to the final episode from this studio. You will not see the outdoors anymore when you watch Game Face. Uh, But I think we all agree that it's probably still going to make it this year, regardless of the weird messaging Mm -hmm. that Corey Barlog put out there on 420. Um, all right, let's move on. Maybe that's where the messaging was. That might have been the problem. <laughs> We're working so hard. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> we were. But we were. We will be. It's not, it's, it's not ready. That's hilarious. <laughs> Game face is up. Game face is up. Game face is up. Is up. And, and, and out. 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 Out.
everyone. Welcome to Game Face, episode 300. Hope you guys enjoyed that little montage, that look back through seven years of this show. The many weights of Matt. <laughs> and me. It was funny. <laughs> I started out so skinny. You came, you came in in tip-top shape. Yeah, I did, and it went south fast. It was like, uh, it was like William Shatner. <laughs> like he's, you can tell what part of a season of Star Trek it is because of how, how thin or fatty is. Yeah. There's <laughs> no time to work out when you're making a show. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like I was looking through all the footage for this, and um, I start skinny, and then I got big, and then I got skinny again, and then I got big, and that's where I am now. <laughs> I hope you guys really enjoyed that. It took me a lot of work to put that together. I had to look through so many episodes of Game Face and then scrub through them to find parts mm-hmm. that are fun. Uh, it was a lot of work to put together that 16-minute... Um, I like the bit where people were like, oh, look at how young they are. I was like, we're like 41. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's really not that big of a difference, people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a labor of love, I will say that. It was amazing going back and looking at the how many times we have changed this show. Just yeah. how we present the show. Like, I had completely forgotten, Matt, that we used to do the cold open. Where we yeah, would we stand ran. in front of the wall, and we'd introduce the topics. And to jump over a cable. And we'd run to our seats to sit down before the show started while the open ran. Like, it was just, it's crazy. It's crazy how much the show has changed over all these, all the different graphics packages that we use for the show throughout the years. Um, just, it's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. how much we've done in seven years. And seeing the, all the different studios that we, I had to move in and move out of and set up and build a set again and all the pivots that we've done. I think um, it made me feel good at the end of it all because we have accomplished a lot. I mean, first of all, 300 episodes is insane. Yeah. I've never done 300. No, I I think I was at 500 episodes of X-Play when I left. Yeah, you were, that would be around. Around there, there roughly. And X-Play ended around like, was episode 1,326 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, we got a ways to go before we, yep. we beat that. But but I've like, whooped my time on invisible walls by a mile. Oh, in terms of like podcasts, weekly podcasts, like that's a ridiculous number. It really is. Like my wife, I mentioned it last night, and it hadn't really sunk in what three hundred episodes meant. And she was like, "Oh my god," because she had no clue. She's like, "You could mm-hmm. be on episode twenty for all I know." <laughs> and I said three hundred, and it like blew her mind. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I was like, "You're right. That's pretty insane. Like yeah. we've done three hundred episodes of this show." I it remember is being on the, you know, coming in to fill in for Marcus the first. It was episode fifteen or sixteen or something, mm-hmm. and thinking like, "Well, I guess, I guess if I do enough of these, I'll probably do as many as Marcus did eventually." <laughs> so. Yeah, I did manage to find like a lot of the seminal moments. Like I found the announcement when I announced Matt as the permanent host. Um, there was a some serendipity going on as I was sorting through those clips. Like I was mm-hmm. glad that I found a lot of stuff. I didn't find like a lot of our like heated discussions, and I was like I was running out mm-hmm. of time. I wanted to put together like a little montage of our. Yeah, you didn't have the the one moment I thought you'd throw in there, which was uh, when we were arguing about No Man's Sky, and I slammed my hands on the table. Oh yeah, I was so tired of it. <laughs> I wanted to put together a montage of that stuff, but I couldn't find key words to search for. Mm-hmm on the episodes to try to find those and i just it was just taking too much time already so um but it was it's just crazy to think about we don't really think about those much no after they're over they're just out of my mind and i don't like stick a pin in them so to speak like i do some of like the real seminal moments from the show um but just seeing a lot of the people i do regret that we didn't i could not find any footage of sam 
Um, Sam was our TriCaster TD for a really long time, and I really wish I could have got him in there, but I think we only showed him on camera, like, Twice, maybe? Yeah, a couple... A couple. He didn't want to be on camera. Really. He didn't want to be. Um, at the end of E3, I know, was one of them. And another one, I think, was, like, the last episode before we went to, like, break over yeah. the holidays. Couple, I think there was a camera in there for a time. On the uh, Was he ever in the shower? No. That, he left when we were still doing it here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, unfortunately. Um, by the way, Sam is doing great, if any of you guys were wondering. He went to Boston, and he has turned into, like, a production monster. He ended up getting a job with the Boston Red Sox, which is, like, a dream job for him. Yeah. And he ended up parlaying that. Like, last time I talked to him, he's like, man, I have the best work and more work than I could ever manage. He's like, I came out here with a resume from L.A., and he's like, everybody just lined up to hire me. That is true. Yep. That is true. The, uh, the, the Minnesota Film Festival... Um uh, which in the end Brian went to and I didn't. But oh. uh, the um, director and he he's from there, but mm-hmm. he said it's a lot of local stuff. It was a lot of like local Minneapolis. But he said that because he was from L.A. or come from L.A., like he was the bell of the ball. Bit, he was sort of, sort of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know he'd also come all is. the way out there. Yeah, from L.A. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's from Minneapolis. So it was like it was a homecoming thing for him. But like. Uh, yeah, like being from there matters uh, when you're looking at like resumes and stuff like, you know, someone who, you know, especially local TV or local production stuff is going to see someone who worked professionally in L.A. It's like, oh, sure. Yeah. Come on in. So that's good. Like when he left, I was worried that like, will there be any production jobs? Will there be any, you know, because because sometimes like that stuff just dries up. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Certainly that happened in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, also, you know, he's fought out in Boston. He's fought through COVID and yeah. he stayed employed. So. So those of you guys wondering, he's doing great, which is great news. That's what we all want to hear. Anyone who works with us, we hope that they go on to do amazing things. Uh, but it would have been nice to get a little clip of him in there because he's a good friend. Like, he wasn't just a coworker. Like, we hung tight with him, and he was a good dude. So good to hear that he's doing well, and we do still miss him, and I wish I could have slid him in. Uh, I saw, It was funny watching you guys on chat, by the way, while this was going. <laughs> It was hilarious. Like, I totally fooled you guys, in which it was the whole intent. You guys didn't even probably notice. And in fact, let me uh, let me turn off the audio on this clip, and I'll start running it here again so you guys can kind of get a look at it. Um, but the open, watch, it transforms from our most recent open into our old open. I don't know if any of you guys even picked up on this, but right there it goes. It changes from our new one to our yeah. old one. I didn't really notice, but there was a moment where I'm like, I haven't seen Scorpion's face in a while. Yeah. Like, and then we do the same thing at the, I do the same thing at the end. The out transitions from the new out to the old out. Um, but you guys were totally fooled. <laughs> you guys were like, and then I saw some of you guys like, is this going to be the whole show? Is there going to be a real show? It was pretty funny watching you guys um, freak out over this. Especially so, how fast it was going to the present day. I'm like, well, that's a 15 minute show. <laughs> so we're going to do a 300 episode. We're going to do it <laughs> 10 minutes and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> we're taking the break. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I just want to say, first of all, thank you guys. The other thing that really hit me preparing for this episode was one, okay, we got to 300 episodes, but two, like this was all funded and paid for by our patrons and our subscribers. Um, it's pretty amazing. Like, this is as much your montage as it is ours. This is what you guys invested in and funded through the years at our on-site subscription system and then ultimately at patreon.com sifted. 
Um, this is all thanks to you guys. Every location we've had, every piece of equipment that we've had, all that stuff is because of you guys. Especially after we were robbed at this studio and yeah. they took everything. All I those like games. That one thing's like New Zelda in 2016. Yeah. No. <laughs> All those games behind me were all stolen. Almost all the stuff that you're seeing in these shots mm-hmm. were, was stolen. We lost. I lost like all of it, which really sucks. Because some of those games back there were like lots of GameCube games that were sealed mm-hmm. GameCube games that are now worth. Yeah, I don't even want to think about. That were it. probably pawned for like two dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, if yeah. that. They probably got fifty bucks for like everything at the mm-hmm. pawn shop or whatever. It really sucks. But low power NX. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it did bring back. Some bad memories, like of the robbery and some of the other stuff that's happened along the way to us. Uh, that's all a part of the journey for us, or at, le- at least it has been for us. I don't. I don't... wasn't stolen. The mug's right here. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't take the mug, and I still have it. Actually, I still use it on the show. Yeah, Don Line, Don Linehart, was the mug stolen? It was not. It was one of the few things that was not stolen. Um, <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough, robbers tend to not take the things you put your mouth on. Yeah, <laughs> even before yeah. COVID. <laughs> they were smart enough to figure that out. Um, so if you just lick all your electronics. Yeah, and they know that you've licked know. them. <laughs> they have a robber sense. But anyway, I just want to take you guys on a walk down memory lane. There may be some of our some of the people on the stream, some of our patrons that don't even know that whole era existed, Matt, that we had that studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really gone back and looked at the numbers to see if people watch the retro episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if some people are going back and watching like these really old episodes. I, the, I, um, I doubt it. Certainly the, 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 the Patreon lists were a lot of familiar faces. Yeah. So yeah, most of the people have seen them anyway, I would think from yep. back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest, like that Patreon list hasn't changed all that much in all this time. Mm-hmm. Sadly, um, it hasn't what really. What is Ryan Stevens doing these days? Um, Ryan Stevens is working for, it's a website called like Fanbyte or something. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't really figure out like they're they have like a they're a gaming website, but like they're never you never hear anything from them. But they're owned by Tencent. Mm-hmm. And so they're fine. So they're fine. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, a friend of mine worked with Ryan on this like weird award thing that they did. Um, and my buddy is like, that's what he does. He like, he's a booker basically. And he books people for red carpets and stuff. And he brought him in, Ryan brought him in to help him with that stuff. Um, but otherwise, like you don't hear much about what Ryan's doing, but he is still employed. He's still working in the games industry. He's still covering games. Um, I think you can find him on Twitter at other white tofu. Uh, if you want to catch right. up with him yeah. and see what he's up to. Great guy. Um, it was awesome to see all the old GT people who came on the show very mm-hmm. early and like supported us, which was awesome. And it was at his birthday party that you uh, mentioned sifted to me the first time. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, wow. What a trip it's been. That's really the best way to describe it. Um, Imran Khan is their main reporter, is what Vincent's saying. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, I've, I see this. I just doesn't register with me that it's fanbite. Yeah, I had no idea that he was working there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I I remember that now that Vincent says that. Yeah, but we don't. You don't see much from him, really. Um, well, how how do you feel, Matt? Looking through all those that old footage of the show. Um, it's a long time. Doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. But it really years. feels like that. Yeah, seven years. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened. A lot of things have world, happened. World changed. Every, I mean, there's just so much. Just personally, for me, with my dad and my sister, mm-hmm. with that horrible accident that happened, getting robbed, 
um, and losing everything at our very first studio. How long have we even been around when that happened? Like five months or six months, maybe? Um, it wasn't too long, yeah. Yeah, like, they moved quick. Yeah. <laughs> they got in there real fast. As soon as we got all that equipment in there, I don't know if somebody, that was an inside job, if somebody was like, hey, there's this office that has a bunch of stuff in it at my building, you might want to... Car stolen. What, what, what E3 did your car get stolen? Um, that was E3, was that 2019? I think it was the last might one. Might have been, yeah. Or 2018, one or the other. 18 others. or 19. Yeah. My car was, that's right, my car was stolen, COVID. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. All the stuff that's just happened in the last seven years. It's hard to believe it's been seven years. Like, I just... Yeah. It's crazy. 2015 yeah. was another another world. It was. It really was another world. Yeah. Like we, this show started right before Age of Eltron came out. <laughs> if we want to put it in Marvel terms. Yeah. Think about that. That is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Like Force Awakens hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. Like the entire <laughs> landscape of pop culture media as we know it was not had not happened. Yeah. It's all changed since then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Mag- again, I was I was at the Magic Castle on Friday night, and the main the main magician guy made a j- made jokes about vibranium, Wakanda, and Doctor Strange casting spells, and I'm like, <laughs> five six years ago, no one would have understood any of this. Yeah, like it's it's amazing how fast that has all turned over. Yep. Um, so we do have some more special stuff for you guys for episode 300. Um, next, we're gonna have an interview with Marcus Beer. Um, as you guys know, Marcus was the original co-host for Game Face. He lasted 15 episodes, I think it was, something like that. Yeah. Before he bailed. And obviously, he was my co-host on Invisible Walls for years and years. And you probably know that he's been going through some tough health issues, um, two tough health issues. He had a massive heart attack like four or five years ago and was in a coma for a long time. And he survived that. And just as he had bounced back from that, he found out that he had cancer. Um and so I wanted to catch up with him, see how he's doing. I'm sure you guys are interested in him as what in, in what he's doing as well and how he is. Um, it's an emotional interview. At least it was for me. I think it was for him too. Um, the cut down that you're going to watch is like 30 minutes. The full interview is well over an hour. And I am going to publish that for you guys post haste after this show airs. Uh, but I wanted to cut it down for this show so it wasn't too long. And you may say that's still long as it is. But I think once you start watching it, you'll understand why it's the length that it is. And when we come back from that, we have another surprise for you guys that I think is going to work. But we're kind of on edge about it right now. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants doing this. This show is kind of intense from a production perspective. Um, but as usual, we're doing the best that we can here on Game Face. So... Up next, we have an interview with Marcus Beer, a wide-ranging interview that covers pretty much everything. Um, and I think he talks about some things maybe some of you guys were waiting to hear from him on. Um, I think it's a really good interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's check it out. Hey, everyone. Look who I have with me. It's the one, the only, Marcus Beer, a.k.a. Annoyed Gamer, a.k.a. Grumpy McGrump, <laughs> which was the first name. And there is the Annoyed Gamer. Yeah. Is that actually from game trailers from like yeah. the set that yeah, I robbed it on my last day. <laughs> did you take it or did someone offer uh, actually, it to you? Actually, Ro- Rohan gave it to me. That's cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, it is Marcus Beer, um, one of my great friends from the industry. We have a history that goes back now, man, almost two decades, it seems like. <laughs> Maybe yeah, longer. Probably. probably. Because before yeah. you ever were on Invisible Walls and working with us at game trailers, you were a PR person who I worked with as a journalist for many years before that. Yeah. Um, so we've yeah, known each other for a really long time. It's 
pretty crazy to think back to all the things that we've done together across the years we old man we are kind of old yeah yeah i'm uh i'm 51 now yeah yeah it's pretty amazing um that we've stayed friends all this time and through all these different phases of both of our lives but most importantly this is game face episode 300 and you were the og co-host of game face way back in marcus this is the crazy part to think about way back in 2015 uh, I realize that has been seven years since we did Game Face together. There's so much that's happened since. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, good grief. Uh, Are you like me, Marcus? And does it feel like the older you get, the faster time goes? <sighs> or do you feel different about that? Because to me, it just feels like time just whips by. Like, I can't even fathom that it was seven years ago that we launched Game Face. That's mind-boggling to me. Honestly, I'm at the stage where I don't, I don't, we're not really sure I have a concept of time anymore. Oh, really? Because <laughs> um, it's really surreal, you know, where you want to try and appreciate every moment, but you can't also can't. And for obviously, for reasons we'll go into shortly, I mean, sometimes I can't remember things. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, yes, is it May already? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, has that, you know, is it only yesterday I was getting off a plane at Raleigh Durham International Airport uh, in 1999 to move to this country? Um, actually, does actually does seem a long time ago. Christ, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, funny. it's it's funny. I mean, yes, it, when you're doing something you enjoy, I suppose it does fly by. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had some, you know, we've had some good experiences where stuff just went in the blink of an eye. But yeah, um, yeah, I think now I, I mean, I'm certainly more appreciative of it. And I'm more selective on how I spend my time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it's it's I mean, it's fantastic that everything you've been through over the last seven years, you're still going strong. Um, I mean, you know, you went out on your own, you built, sifted out of nothing, you went through the burglary, which still rankles me. Yeah. Um, and then you rebuilt again and you're still going and you got pack and you got game face and Matt's still with you, I believe. Yeah. Man. Uh, Mr. Keel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, everything that you've achieved over the last seven years, I mean, and let's face it, you're a one man band most of the time. It is. Yeah. Uh, people don't realize that about sifted people. They're always like, Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, why don't you do that? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? They don't realize that I do everything Everything. yeah everything everything that you see coming out of sifted it's me we have one guy who helps with curation to curate the content onto sifted otherwise i do everything i don't think people understand that (laughs) and that's why time for me flies by because i don't have time to like turn around it's like every night when i go to bed there's five things that i'm like oh i should have got this done today after working 14 hours so I think that is why, for me personally, probably time seems to fly by more quickly than for a lot of people. Marcus, what do you, what do you remember about the whole transition of GT slowly dying and then being sold to Defy and then eventually closing and then Sip to starting and Easy Allies? What are kind of like, in hindsight, your impressions of that whole kind of transitionary period? And obviously now Brandon Jones just left Easy Allies um, and has retired from games journalism, maybe with that as a, using that as a framework, 
What do you remember about that whole time period? Well, first of all, I mean, given Ed, everything Amanda and uh, Brandon have been through, yeah. um, I mean, I'm so glad to see their little baby's doing so well. Yep. And I don't blame him if he's me either. Not one, not one yeah. iota. If yeah, I get it. Fiscal position to do it. They should and enjoy their time. And Brandon isn't is is he's cut from the same cloth as you. Mm. Worked so hard. I mean, for the first four years of knowing Brandon, I thought Amanda was his wife was a myth. No, oh, because um, you never because saw her. He was. Yeah, we only see her at like events, like our yeah. Christmas party for GT, like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I am so glad they've had the good news, and we're sending them all the love. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I left. I mean, I left G- you. You obviously left GT before me, but I left uh, about a year before the Defy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd done it because I was just getting tired of trying to be annoyed every week. Um, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, I'm tired of being pissed off all the time. Well, no, I was just, it, it felt like, you know, if I, I couldn't find something worth talking about, it was cheap. I mean, it was coming out and, you know, it was coming out of, you know, it was doing everybody a disservice, mm-hmm. um, doing myself a disservice. Um, but also, you know, it was bullshit for the, um, for the viewer and, um, I'll, you know, as I've said, I think to you before, I mean, that, that 2014 period, um, I was getting bored. 20, it's 2013, 2014. I was getting bored with video games. Yeah. Well, you I had, um, you did so like a, you tried to do a YouTube thing, but after GT, right? You worked on YouTube for a while. Yeah. I, I started my YouTube channel, realized it was way too much effort because back then they weren't doing hard, you know. Twitch wasn't existing back then. And, you know, it was way more tricky. I mean, I knew it was always going to be, be a toughie, but I just, I, again, I just didn't have the passion for it anymore. I really mm-hmm. didn't. And, you know, it's. What do you think caused that for you? Burnout. Yeah. Just too mm-hmm. much. Dude, I've been working in video games since I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been almost 25 years for me too. So that was, well, I mean, that's 30 years ago for me, but obviously also playing them for about 12 years before that. Yeah, I played my whole life. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at, what, 40 odd, 42 years of playing, being involved and playing video games one way or another. And it just got, you know, it got too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and I was only working sort of like part-time. I mean, I was doing the GT stuff. I was doing Invisible Walls and then my gamer and then helping out at E3. But I would see uh, Damiani and Blood and Ryan and everybody just putting in these 16, 17-hour days Mm -hmm. and then, you know, just leaving exhausted to come back the next day. I mean, E3, everybody was just busting ass. No, it was was more than that even during E3. Well, I mean, E3 was was something totally different, but Mm -hmm. I just... I began to look at it and I, I still see it happening. And it's just one of the things I've, I've been saying to people, I think probably for the last eight years or so is, you know, it's great if you work in video games and you love video games, but don't make that all you are. Because- how, do you, how do you feel about that, Marcus? Because let's be honest, if you want to do what I do and what Matt does and what the Easy Allies guys do and what Kind of Funny does, and honestly, if you work on a major gaming website, I think now it's probably not as bad as it was at GT because we were understaffed. You know, we had five guys competing against 30 guys at IGN and in GameSpot. So everybody had to just work their butts off to have a chance to compete. But how do you feel about the idea that that's kind of what you have to do to be a part of this space is give up that 12 to 14 hours a day? 
I think it's more of a damning indictment on the state of the country, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think it's ridiculous that anybody has to work more than eight hours a day for a living a living wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, let's face it, um, Viacom was tighter than a duck's ass, yeah. and that's watertight. Um, budgets were always super tight and super slashed. Um, it was run by idiots at the top level who didn't know what they had mm-hmm. because, let's face it, Game Trainers was the first video site. Um, and if they hadn't made monumentally stupid decisions to get GT, you know, you have to use our proprietary uh, viewer and, uh, and all these We can't things. work with YouTube. Yeah. That was the big one. That's really what killed yeah, I mean, it yeah. just goes to show how short-sighted Viacom was as a company. And, and MTV. Well, Marcus, I don't know if you remember or not, but like the last five years I was there, I was also running Spike.com. Yeah. And, and it was, most people were like, oh, that was the website for the TV network. But it wasn't. It was actually a men's blog that I started from scratch. And Spike.com went from like nothing to like 5 million uniques in like four months. We were writing lots of top 10 listicles and stuff like that. And they were also very short-sighted there because the people who worked on the TV side of Spike would get upset because we would write articles that would do double the views of their latest episode of Cole or whatever show that they were running at the time. And we go into these meetings and they're like, wait a minute, why is the top 10 like beautiful actresses getting... 5 million views and our full episode of this show that we run on air only got 20,000 views and they cut the blog and instead of saying look we have something here and like at least like saying okay let's spin this off and let it live and grow they just killed it (laughs) it literally could have been the first buzzfeed that they could have sold or done whatever they wanted with for hundreds of millions of dollars but to your point about being short-sighted and I don't. I think people who work in corporate America are probably sitting there right now, nodding their head, saying that happened where I work, where someone up above me made some crazy decision that made no sense whatsoever, and ended up affecting all these people that I really care about. So yeah, it, well, it 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 comes it comes back to this. I mean, you know, you look at it and find it ironic now that there's that there's Paramount Plus that is you know Viacom owned, mm-hmm. and is screaming for content. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine a game trailer centric channel? Yeah. On Paramount Plus. Or how much game trailers could buoy Paramount Plus? Because Paramount Plus is, by the way, its biggest content is games related. It's the Halo TV show. Which is awful. It is awful. (laughs) Um, Actually, I'd say... Master Chief uh, had sex this week, by the way. I I would say its biggest content is actually the Star Trek stuff because Discovery and Picard are... That Halo is getting all the press. It's they well, think it's course, driving yeah. their subs, it's, and but it's ironic that they had this huge gaming property that they didn't think was worth anything, and now gaming is floating the boat for their streaming. You're right. You're totally yeah, right. I don't think they even have a clue what Halo is. Still, I think you know, <laughs> they just you know anybody who's watched the show would be kind of like, what the fuck, you know. And then obviously you know when Sifty came along, I was sort of like half in, half out. Yeah, and so I wanted to. I was trying to spur you on. <laughs> I know, but I, yeah, I, it's just one of those things that when it's not there, it's not there. And I wasn't. Yeah, doing the timing wasn't know. good for you, for I sure. I was doing you a disservice. I was doing the sifted viewers a disservice, the game face viewers. And I just could have, I just didn't want to. I mean, it came to head at, at that E3. I was just, 
I'm like, I'd rather come to E3 and not see a game, just see people I like. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to do was see people I liked. And um, it took a while to get back to that, mm-hmm. a very long while. I mean, that didn't, to be honest, that didn't come back until... Um, Seems like a couple years ago when you started doing your streams, right? On was, Twitch? Well, uh, the, the stream I started about uh, just over 14 months ago, January of last year. Things were going so well. And then my heart decided to go, uh-oh, here you go. Pull the rug out of under under everything, yeah. and that you know that put paid to that, and that just took me out of the equation. Um, but going back to that start with Sifted, I mean, I was I've always been so proud of what you've done. I mean, you built something out of nothing. You've kept it going. Um, you you know dealt with evolving landscapes. I'm sure it's not easy. No, it's, um, <laughs> it's the sure furthest that, thing from easy. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure now because you know there's also the PR people who came up with us are all, you know, off, retired, married, kids, whatever they're doing, or up at a high, high level. And, you know, that means that they've got new people in who are not bad people, but they don't give a shit about the user me's of this world. Yeah, they don't know who I am. Yeah. yeah. Because they're literally 20 some years old. I started in this industry before they were born. <laughs> so, but you're right. Like a lot of our contacts have moved on and they're not working in PR anymore. And it is a challenge now for me to get things like review code um because people are like who are you and all they do is they look at our raw numbers and they're like oh well your numbers it's kind of hard for us to rationalize sending you some of this stuff and if i don't have someone who's known me for 20 years to step in and say oh no 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 you need to give shane code we don't get it yeah they're just they'll just look at the data and be like sorry you know because think about it marcus there are thousands and thousands of youtube channels that have 200, 300,000 subscribers and their content to me is really vapid and stupid. But if you're a PR person and you're like, wait a minute, we have this sifted thing. And this guy is telling me he's been in the industry for a really long time and that maybe I shouldn't know who he is, but I don't. And then we have this other YouTuber who has 300,000 views. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, it's oh no, I don't blame him either. I mean, I, but I mean, it's again, it comes back to this damning indictment of the state of America, state of the world in particular. Mm-hmm. where everything is that's being consumed there is you know oh i'm doing you know people are doing it for 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 codes for swag for whatever and there's no uh or very little integrity left um you show me an influencer i'll show you somebody i want to throw out of a plane at 30, <laughs> feet. um it's hard to trust them i've been i've get a lot of pushback on this from people who say oh you're just the old guys you know, sit yelling, get off my lawn or whatever. But I don't know. I, you know, I was came up through this industry in editorial departments where I had oversight and I had people watching what I was doing, you know, and making sure I wasn't doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And well, and we are the old, we are the old guys. We admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it is great that there's more diversity, for example. That Absolutely. is fantastic. That is one of the things that, the, you know, the barriers have come down on. And, you know, uh, you'll see a lot more diverse streams from people you wouldn't necessarily have seen before and that is fantastic but there are there is a definite lack of accountability august of last year i was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer which is terminal mm-hmm. um the basically the cancer is in um my abdomen my spine my lumbar and my ribs so that means it's metastasized so that's where it's like, uh-oh, fatal, you screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, my urologist said, uh, smoke them if you got them. Mm. Um, and that's where it's like, oh, okay. 
And luckily, I got referred by a, by a former business partner of Shauna's to a guy, Dr. David Agus, uh, over on the west side, um, very near you, uh, near the old uh, G4 offices, actually. No, wow. Um, and yeah, we uh, I got referred to him, and he is like one of the world's best oncologists. I mean, he got 200 million from Larry Ellison, the founder of uh, Oracle, to build his own um, clinic. And that is an advantage of living in Los Angeles or a major city is that you yeah. do have access generally to the best medical medical care. Yeah, and I went in and he was like, "All right, so this is where you know this is where you're going," because initially they they said to me I had three to six months. Wow, and that is, I mean, considering I'd died technically with a heart attack and I've been in a coma for a week and just like a that, year and a half earlier, <laughs> but that hadn't. Yeah, um, yeah, that was 2017. Yeah. So three or four years earlier. Yeah. But um, yeah, I hadn't, but that didn't happen to me in my head because I was I was in a coma. I was right. out. I don't remember. I was dead for mm-hmm. you know X amount of time. Um, so I mean that happened to somebody else. But then to have somebody say, by the way, it's August now, and you may not make it a Christmas. That's a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even imagine. So yeah, um, they did all the tests. They got me on these. Uh, it's like you'll do X, Y, and Z, and you will take it religiously. And you, these are the shots that you have to take. And um, you know, one shot in your arm, one shot in your uh, butt cheek, um, and four pills a day, which is going to shut off your testosterone supply by December my numbers had been down enough and my bone strengthening treatment was working to a degree, such a degree that was like, okay, we can talk about radiation mm. because so you generally don't get tested for prostate cancer until you're 50. Yeah. Yeah. You should. They're saying now it's, you're supposed to start at like 45 or whatever. I think they're changing. 45 is on the high end. 40, 40, 35. If you've got history of cancer in your family, if you have a history of any cancer in your family, get tested, yeah. you know, just to be, to be careful. I mean, everyone's like, oh yeah, finger in the ass, blah, blah, blah. I Who mean, cares? You know, <laughs> it's your life. Yeah. Uh, in January, I started the, um, the radiation. First of all, two blasts on my lumbar because I had a big tumor there that was encroaching on my spinal column. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five days a week for four weeks uh oh my gosh radiation on the prostate and some people don't have any problem with it and some people turns out are a little sensitive to uh radiation (laughs) funny how that works the treatments have worked uh or were working up and i mean we've discovered that my testosterone levels have started to creep back up which is a bad thing, right? That's a red flag. Yeah. Um, and we knew it was going to happen at some point. We just didn't think it would happen this quick. Uh, and I only learned that actually um, last Friday. Wow. So, yeah, three days ago. So I've got to go in and get uh, more tests done to see if we need to switch to a different medication. But your numbers um, now are low. So you said when you started, they were at 505. What are they at right now, Mark? Uh, 0.00. Actually, no, you can't even, they can't even track it right now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that is great. That is great. And that was in the last test two weeks ago. Yeah. So, 
but that that's when they noticed also the testosterone spike. The question is, where do you draw the line? Where as far as like continuing to have treatment that, that lowers your quality of life versus enjoying your time and that sort yeah, of Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, my diet's moved to a mostly plant-based, which is as sexy and tasty as it sounds. And, you know, right now I'm in a place where I just go, I'm just going to keep on, on soldiering on. I'm in a much better place than a lot of other people. Um, if I'd have had this at, you know, the stage four, had it been diagnosed, say, in 2018, the drugs I'm on right now, the life-saving drugs weren't even approved yet. They hadn't come oh, through. Wow. So that's how lucky I am. So gotcha. I'm going to keep on fighting uh, until the day where it's like, you know what, it's time to just enjoy what's left um and the key i mean and i think my cardiologist and my oncologist have a running bet to see who can keep me alive the longest <laughs> well, that's a good uh, bet is, that's a bet you want bet people to have. to have yeah exactly marcus let's try to transition a little bit into games here and i'm gonna actually i have a question i want to ask you that'll be a perfect segue from what we just talked about to what to just talking about games and that is how does having a life-threatening situation like the one that you've literally been living for the last like five years now between your heart and the cancer how does that affect your interest or lack thereof in things like playing video games or watching films do they seem insignificant or vapid now or do you appreciate them more because you're like man i may not be able to play games is uh, these games that i you know who knows how long you're gonna be able to play games and are you trying to get them all in like how does that how does that all work for you oh it's interesting um after the heart attack obviously i wasn't doing much at all mm -hmm. but uh, a good friend at microsoft sent me a um two-year pass for uh the xbox gaming service you know, the like xbox. game pass game pass yeah a two-year pass which I thought was amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I started playing, you know, and exploring more games than I had before. And I started to get back into things because I didn't have anything else to do. I mean, I had my physiotherapy and I had, you know, my, my other stuff. But when I came out of the hospital after the heart attack, I couldn't even lift a five pound bag of potatoes. Wow. And it was like that for best part of six months. I mean, you mm -hmm. saw me at E3 that year. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'd lost weight, which is great. Oh, I yeah. thoroughly recommend the coma diet. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, I started to get back into things and bought myself, uh, you know, I still I was predominantly playing PS4 locks then because my, my Xbox One died. Mm -hmm. um, and then I bought myself a brand, brand new PC, a beautiful um, Alienware. That is just a nice desktop with Behemoth about 18 months ago. And I've been exploring so many games through Games Pass in particular mm -hmm. um, because they've got so much great stuff. And then uh, at the Epic Game Service with their free games. Every week. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's but it's amazing. I can get put drop stuff into my library and, you know, catch up with it later or it's let me have a look at some cool in, indie games. Um so yeah, that's how I started to get back into things, started to enjoy it more. I mean, I've always been, you know, an avid TV watcher and we cut the cord about six years ago. But I mean, the game stuff started really, you know, after the heart attack, I really wanted to get back in and started doing stuff and uh, playing a lot. I started playing a lot more games uh, and I finally got my PS5 just before Christmas of this year. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do. Not an Still. easy thing to do. And I mean, I only have a few games. 
Yeah, I mean, I've just so to answer my question, it has it is actually your interest in games has shot up since you've been going through all this medical stuff. I mean, I've just been, I mean, I've been picky. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's gotten me into it. And I've been watching a lot more movies, um, whether they be sort of like classic movies from the 80s or the 90s or movies I've missed. I'm reading a lot more. Do you not find yourself like bargaining and being like, okay, I can play this game for 20 hours or, I mean, I, I don't know what you can do with your medical issues, but, or I could go to Europe and travel around Europe for it's like I don't know I I always wonder if I were in the position that you're in like how I would prioritize my time and what I would want to spend my time doing well I mean it's it would be nice to take a you know six month sabbatical and then go off to Europe but you got to remember um I do have stage four cancer Mm -hmm. I am sleeping a lot Mm -hmm. um so uh actually my wife and I just booked our trip back to see my family in the UK in August. Oh, that's great. In August, you said? In August, the start of August. Um, I mean, you know, again, something I had to be saved for because, you know, I'm not working as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go and uh, we're going to see my family. Last time I saw them was February of 2020 before COVID hit mm-hmm. and everything else. And that had been the first time I'd seen them since the heart attack. And s- since then, in the 11 months following that first visit, I lost one uncle to cancer and another one to heart failure. Jeez. So I got to see them and say goodbye. And, and this is where the, the mental aspect comes in. I mean, I don't know if this trip home to see my family is going to be my last trip mm-hmm. because it may well be that I don't get to do it again um, because of my illness or yeah. if I get to do it again. It's because somebody else has not survived. Um, and it's tough. That is, that's the mind fuck. It's hard. Mind. Like it's, and look, yours, your case is more extreme than mine, but you know, I moved 3000 miles away from my family and I only go home no. once, maybe twice a year. And so my father, before he died in, in the car accident, he had COPD. And so I'd go to visit him at Christmas because my parents are divorced. So I would only really see him once a year. And the last few times I went there, like it, to me, I was like, is this the last time I'm going to see my dad? And my dad was like, this is probably the last time I'm going to see my son. It's the emotions there are just, and then you question, you're like, oh, well, you know, should I move back here? And you talk to your family and they're like, no, 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 you need to do what you're doing. And, you know, don't fuss for me. And then you don't believe them. And <laughs> there's this whole mental gymnastics that you go through when you've moved a long distance away from the people who truly care about you and love you yeah yeah it is and we are both going to get get very maudlin and start crying in a minute i think uh, <laughs> i mean i'll be honest with you i was already starting to tear up a little bit when you're talking about uh, your well, family you know you've you've obviously yeah you've obviously been through it with you with the tragedy that hit your family and obviously i'm always so sorry about that yeah um but yeah i mean to go back to it yes i'm going to go see my family and one of the things my wife and I have always wanted to do is visit Amsterdam. So we're actually going to take awesome. a flight from Cardiff to Amsterdam for a weekend. So I love we- Amsterdam. One of yeah. the cities I would move to in a heartbeat without yeah. question. If I had an opportunity to move there, I would move there. Marcus, yeah. how do you feel about um, gaming now? So we're like two years into generation nine, PlayStation five and Xbox series X. How do you feel about this generation so far and how, 
do you feel about it compared to previous generations that you and I have lived through and worked through, in all honesty? How do you see things as being different now compared to how they have been in the past with console generations? Um, I wouldn't exactly say it's been a shining generation this last gen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, I've got my PS5 and I do like it. Um, it's not designed to really fit in to any particular size of counter. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I haven't got, I haven't bought an Xbox One X. Um, How come? X. I've got a kick ass Alienware. Yeah. Why? It does kind of make Xbox oh. redundant if you have a good PC. Which I think is their plan. I mean, you know, they want people to be able to stream this shit anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, and Sony's plan long term as well, because we know we always know that the uh, consoles have been loss leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, between the Switch and the PS5, and I mean, I pref- I obviously prefer the PS5. I've got a Switch here, and I just I I am so not a Nintendo gamer anymore. You never, I mean, you never really have been. Let's be honest, well, not since not since <laughs> about 1993. Yeah. Go to 95, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. But when stuff started getting regurgitated and I discovered, you know, PC games in particular and, you know, everybody's raving about GoldenEye and I'm like, fuck off. I'm playing play much better shooters on the PC back yeah. then. Um, I was like that with Halo. When Halo was a big thing, I'm like, man, you guys have not been playing shooters on PC if you're excited about this game. Still can't stand Halo. <laughs> I have tried. I, I've tried. I downloaded Halo. Was it five? Was the last one? Yeah. Well, Halo Infinite. Infinite. There you go. Yeah. And it was just infinitely tedious. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I, it, well, it, was it was a dude. I started playing the campaign, so I won't play. I won't play multiplayer anymore because, mm-hmm. I mean, my reaction because... time. <laughs> well, my reaction times aren't exactly what they used to be. I mean, you know, one one I'm old, and two, I have. Um, Look up cancer brain fog. Yeah. Because um, that's I've actually about that. with regards to the meds. I mean, I get a little bit um, messy. I'm certainly better than I was. But yeah, I mean, I tried playing it and I thought the campaign was just kind of miserable. Um, I think, you know, going back to, for example, Cyberpunk is a much better first person action game than any of the Halo titles, even with its bugs. Um, I. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing Marvel's Guardians. That bores me silly. Um, unfortunately, it's got the same problems that Avengers have in that it's using an engine that's nowhere near capable of use of running a fast action-paced action game. You don't like Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm surprised to hear that. It's the engine more than anything. Oh, I really like that game. I thought it was underrated. It should have done far better than it did. Um, I mean, apparently the story is great. Um, and that's why I think, I mean, the story in the Avengers game was great Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of it, and the problem is, and this is this is, you know, I've got this with both probably this problem with both the um the Marvel games from Square Enix. They went with the route of getting name voice act- actors. I mean voice actors who are known in the games industry right. and who are very nice people and very talented, but they'd have been better off getting Chris Hemsworth and Robert Downey Jr. sound alikes. I mean that's that is that is one of the problems that it really just pulls you out. And the same with you know with Guardians, it doesn't have um, Vin Diesel as Groot, it doesn't have Zoe Saldana. Avengers, I played it through to complete Kamala Khan's storyline because I thought it was fantastic. 
but the actual gameplay itself was so predictable. Yeah, very repetitive. Yeah. Well, the the uh, the engine, despite the fact that you can play as a bunch of different characters, it still got repetitive. Well, the thing you can play as different characters, but Kamala is the only one. Miss Marvel is the only character you want to play. It was she was definitely the fun, the most fun of them all. Yeah. She she was because you know, Iron Man. Oh. And I knew very little about that character before I played the game, too. I mean, I obviously, my preferences were Iron Man and Hulk and all these other characters that I had grown up with, but she ended up being the most fun to actually play. Marcus, what do you think is going to happen with this generation? How long do you think it's going to last? Because I I think it might honestly last like 10 or 12 years. Pactor believes that this might be the last console generation as we know it. He has been saying for a long time, that everything's going to go to this console-free future and everyone's going to be streaming games. I think he thought that might happen before PS5 and Xbox Series X, and it didn't really happen that way. How do you, Where do you land on all that stuff? No, I'm with him. I think that the next step will be a app you download to your smart TV, um, or it'll be something, you know, the equivalent of, I just happen to have something like this here, which is the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. We just bought the, we got the 4K one to go with our 4K TV. Um, but I mean, literally, it's a little box. I mean, it's on live. It's the on live aspect. It's it's streaming. Um, that's it. I mean, Sony have already, you know, been doing it with uh, PlayStation. Um, was it PlayStation Now that they're... Mm-hmm. But that's going away now and they're revamping they're that in the PlayStation, PlayStation Plus. Plus. Yeah. yeah, which is, which is great because PlayStation Now is fantastic. PlayStation Now gives you access to so many great PS3 games. I've been playing Infamous 1 and 2 on PlayStation Now. Yeah. I'm you don't have really to lug around playing. that PS3 fat so you can have the backwards compatibility. Yeah. I mean... You need to uh, stream it now. Yeah. Isn't it crazy to think about all the stuff that you and I have lived through in this industry, Marcus? I've and you see, I see all these videos on YouTube of these people talking about, like, the Red Ring of Death. And, they've, and they do, like, 2.5 million views. And it was published last week. And this is just someone who's just, like gone on the internet and looked up old articles on the red ring of death because they weren't even alive like when the red ring of death happened it's so everything is just so bizarre how it's all played out like i'm starting to wonder if we'll get another elder scrolls before any of us die (laughs) honestly i saw there's like um there's that that skyrim lady she's like 86 years old do you know are you familiar with her yeah, the old, the old lady who's been streaming is playing herself Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim well, she, this weekend, like, a, an interview came out with her where she's like, I may die before I get to play Elder Scrolls Six, and she's trying to crack the whip on Todd Howard, and she's like, look, man, like, I seriously may not make it and get to play this game before I'm gone. It's a, it's a different type of pressure now that the industry has grown up because we are at the stage where elderly people played video games and if they continue to re- all you of them me, we yeah. are we I'm are talking eligible. about like our parents because remember our parents are the ones who actually bought the atari 2600 they were actually the ones who had the money to do that stuff i bought my i bought my very i saw my own savings i bought my own com- first computer 48k sinclair spectrum tape deck. i did not well, i'm i'm not quite i guess as old as you because my parents had to buy all that stuff for me well, what and are now you, they're 12? at the age where they're like having to think about whether they can play a game or not, or if they're going to have time to get a game in. It's, you know, because gaming is such a new thing, they are really the first generation where this is even a consideration. It's just interesting to watch time march on with this new form of entertainment that started when we were kids. Marcus, I just want to say, I love you, brother. 
and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate everything you've done with me, for me, um, in the last 20 some years that we've known each other. And that spans back to when you were a PR guy and you treated me with respect as a journalist. Like it's just been 20 plus years of- of... (laughs) You were one of the few ones there, my friend. (laughs) I believe it. Because people are like, you like Marcus Beer? And I'm like, hell yeah, he's awesome. They're like, I don't know, man. (laughs) But Marcus, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done for me. Look, you were, I don't think- Game Face would have kicked off with a bang like it did if it, if you weren't involved in it. There's a lot of value with you helping launch this show. Here we sit 300 episodes later, and I do fully believe that if you had not been on a board at the beginning to help draw the interest to the show, like, oh, wow, Shane and Marcus reviving the Invisible Walls tandem, I don't think that Game Face would have made it to episode 300. So, Marcus, I love you like a brother. I appreciate so many things that you've done for me and the various places I've worked. Um, and I just wish you the best and thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. And I'm, uh, I'm sure game face will go on for a lot longer until somebody bite. If somebody offers to buy you out, just take the money and go on. <laughs> just retire to, to an island somewhere or do something. Read, start reading those, that beastie boys book is really good. Yeah. And you know, here's hoping I'm around for, for, for 400. All right, so there you go, catching up with Marcus Beer. I told you the interview was kind of heavy. Um, I see that a lot of you guys in chat had not known that he's been battling cancer. Um, it's a tough fight, and I think a lot of you, even if you knew he had cancer, you maybe didn't know that it was terminal cancer. So um, as Marcus said in the interview, he doesn't spend a lot of time on Twitter anymore, but maybe you just want to go over and send him some words of encouragement at Annoyed Gamer. Um, I know he'd appreciate it, and he'll eventually see it. I think he may use Twitter more than he leads on. Yeah. <laughs> but um, obviously, anyone in that situation needs a lot of encouragement. And um, I know episode 300 is supposed to be a big celebration, but Marcus is a big part of what kicked off this show and a big part of my career. Um, and so I felt it was important to talk to him. And I know you guys wanted to know what was going on with him as well. So um I, we still got some laughs. <laughs> and I think that's really the key part there is mm-hmm. that Marcus, even in the uh, situation that he's in, he still has this awesome sense of humor and he still is really a happy guy, um, which is amazing. Like I have been inspired by how he has taken on this challenge in his life. Um, so it's pretty amazing. I'm glad that he was able to be a part of Game Face 300. Um, he has not been on any sort of podcast or show for a long time. He was, as he said, he was doing some streaming, and he was doing some stuff on YouTube and some stuff on Twitch, and he's kind of dialed that back because of his health issues. But like I said, head on over, encourage him, give him some words of encouragement, um, boost our brother up because he definitely needs it. Um, moving on with episode 300, we have a big surprise for you guys. And this is what I was hinting at earlier where I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. I'm still not sure. I'm still as not I sure. S- we got one more step to find <laughs> out. Like, as I sit here right now, I'm still not sure if it's going to work or not. But <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're watching the monitor here that you guys can't see yet. The big surprise is that for the first time ever, and this includes what happened here and at Game Trailers, Michael Pactor is going to do a live episode of Pactor Factor right here on Game Face episode 300. And the X Factor here is his audio. We have not been able to get good audio out of the PC where he's on Zoom into our TriCaster where you guys can hear it. So just be honest with us. If the audio is unworkable and you guys cannot deal with it, just let us know. We've already talked to Pactor about it and we'll just bail on the segment if it doesn't work. But it's worth the risk to do the first ever 
live episode of Pactor Factor. Let's just bring him in right now and uh, let's see how it sounds. Pactor, welcome to Game Face 300. I was going to pretend I was talking and see if you guys made faces at me, but can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you actually. Um, awesome. I think it's actually, it actually sounds okay. Do you need me to do this? Is it better if I talk right into the mic? I can't. I can't hear him. So. <laughs> For real? The chat will tell us. I can only hear you. Oh, I see. But you actually sound good in our headphones. Actually, I can hear him through the head. If you turn him up that eye, I can sort of hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to work. <laughs> should I should I put on my Shane voice and start screaming? <laughs> That's right. This is a little anecdote. A little, little too loud, they say, but they can hear him. Oh, he's a little too loud? Let me turn him down. Here's a little oh, anecdote. Good. When I go over to Pactor's house to record Pactor Factor, he always yells at me for being too loud. <laughs> <laughs> he always thinks that I'm, and I am loud. I do have a loud voice and I have kind of a loud mouth, so I kind of get it. But um, I'm just used to speaking that way. My wife never complains about it, but... To Pactor. Mm-hmm. It's really annoying. But anyway, here he is with his portrait behind him. Pactor, where did that come from? I have a friend who's a amateur slash professional artist who uh, mostly does rock star uh, portraits. And uh, so he does like like old rock stars like Jimi Hendrix and Mick Jagger. And I, I have, in fact, purchased some of his work, but he just did this randomly, like, just to, to honor me. And he put it up at one of his art shows. And so he won't let me buy it, so he gave it to me. So I'm promoting his art. If you want a portrait, let me know. Okay. How much does he usually charge? I'm guessing a lot. I would No, I would imagine in the, you know, low thousands, thousand, two thousand. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. The yeah, low but thousands, for, that's a lot. Factor. But for somebody to do something that good... You know, <laughs> factor for the people who don't work at Wedbush, that's a lot of money. <laughs> do you have Do you have any portraits? No, if you did, a, if you sat for a real portrait, it's that much. I'm sure it's the last it's thing I would time. ever do is sit and sit for a portrait. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe when I was younger and I looked a lot better than I do now, I would. It's too late now. That ship has sailed for me. So you, yeah, your, your portrait is of you when you were a younger man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my 50th birthday party invitation. As it happens, it was just a, it's a picture that was on the internet. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, this is a live episode of Pactor Factor. So get your questions into the chat right now. Go at Sifted Games. I'm going to be the arbiter. I'm going to be the one who decides which questions Pactor answers. We're only going to do like two or three questions live because Pactor's busy. He's got stuff to do. And I just appreciate that he's doing this at all. He's got portraits to sit he's for, got, Shane. Yeah. God damn it. I got I to point with a pillow. I got to take a nap. I'm tired. <laughs> You're obstructing art. Um... Um, okay, I think I got the audio sorted out now, at least. Um, <laughs> so can they hear me? Everybody can hear me? Yeah, everyone can hear you fine. In fact, at first you were too loud. And uh, oh, now I think you're just right. At least looking at oh, the goodness. levels, you appear to be just right, right louder, in line with Louder us. than Shane. That doesn't happen too much. It doesn't. It's not possible. <laughs> um, okay, so get some questions in here. At Sifted Games for Pactor. Obviously, he's a finance guy. So if you want to steer him towards finance, that's fine. You can ask him general questions. Pactor, are you willing to answer just any question? Is this like ask Pactor anything? You can do an AMA if I if I know if I have an answer. But I mean, obviously, like somebody asked me today what to do with Verizon stock, and I a broker here, like somebody who works with me, and I said I am uniquely unqualified to talk about Verizon. Like I don't know anything about them. Like I don't know how many customers they have or whether they make money or not. 
I'm like, no. So you can ask me anything. If I don't know, I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to ask you about Verizon. That makes you feel better. Yeah, you just never know, right? You never know. <laughs> um, okay, here's your first question. Um, and I'm happy from... to do an AMA. I'm happy to do an AMA if you want to do an AMA instead. Okay. Well, we'll do both. They'll, they can ask whatever they want. Fair yeah. enough? Okay. Cool. First one, and this is from Mike's Q, who is our voiceover guy, so I want to get his question in. With inflation and material shortages, do you think we might ever see our first price hike on game consoles instead of a price cut? Great oh, question. Oh, that's a great Mike's question. Uh, no, I don't think so, but that's a really good question. Um, if we had persistent hyperinflation, then yes. So if if inflation, let's just say, was 10% a year for five years, and the component costs went up faster than the normal you know, curve would tell you that they come down, then yes. And that's kind of the case in, in economies like, you know, in Latin America, like Brazil's had that problem in Venezuela. Um, not here. It would require the dollar to essentially be devalued before, um, before we'd ha- we would see prices in dollars go up. And the dollar, you know, has been uh, pretty strong. So, so what's going on right now is quite the opposite because inflation isn't a, a domestic issue. It's a global issue. Um, I know that there are plenty of people watching who say, let's go, Brandon, and they think Biden's responsible for inflation. But shockingly, it, same inflation in France and Japan and Germany. So it's not Biden. It's uh, supply chain and global macroeconomic crisis with what Russia is doing. Um, anyway, so the dollar is strong, which means that, believe it or not, Japanese companies are making more money. Um, a dollar is worth more yen than it was last year. So Nintendo's minting money. It's kind of awesome for them. Um, but anyway, all the components that we buy to make consoles are coming from places that are seeing the strong dollar benefit their economy. So they're more likely to ship stuff here. So in a perverse way, um, this is going to recover. We're going to recover faster than anybody else. So uh, no, don't, I don't expect persistent inflation either. If you actually looked at the inflation figures, consumer consumption was up. You know, GDP was down, but consumption was up, and it was exports that were down. A strong dollar is going to keep exports down. People aren't going to buy American goods if it costs them in other countries more. So we're going to have recession. Yes. But inflation uh, is not going to last. And, and the recession, even though it's really bad for everybody, is will cure inflation. You don't have both. So recession is going to wipe out inflation. What you really want, all you people listening, is you don't want a jobs recession. So as long as everybody's employed, we'll all get through this. If you start seeing massive layoffs everywhere, and I'm not talking about at Netflix that's doing poorly, but I mean real companies, if you can't get a job, that's a problem. We are not even close to that. Okay. Wow. That's a great question and a great answer. If any of you guys ever wondered if I fed Pactor the questions beforehand, before he answered them, there's your proof. He does not. He does not see any of the questions that you guys ask of him until the minute that I'm there and we're recording the episodes. And there is your proof. He can answer this stuff right off the top of his head right then. Uh, yeah, next never, question. I'm never right, but I have an answer that I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad somebody in chat did, so I didn't have to, like, fake it or whatever. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Sneaky Shalad Snake. Let's see if I can find it here. Oh, I just got, it just got lost. Um, here it is. 
Um, is it true that Microsoft could be hoarding chips so less PS5s are made? Pactor, there's this rumor floating around that Microsoft has lined the pockets of chip manufacturers so that it gets more chips and it can make Xbox consoles and PlayStation cannot. Can you please go on the record and explain what's going on there? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not 100% sure that I'm right on this, so anybody who knows better can correct me. I think both consoles have the same uh, CPU, GPU supplier. I think it's still AMD. And I, I have to say, I, I know that was true for PS4 and Xbox One. I think it's true of PS5 and Xbox Series. Um, and if I'm right, then AMD would never do that. They would they would make sure that they supplied both. Um, and I, if I'm right, um, that's like saying Amazon Web Services would favor Amazon Prime Video at the expense of Netflix and, and wouldn't deliver Netflix's streaming signal. You can't do that. You can't stay in business if you're AMD and favor Microsoft over Sony. So um, I don't believe, if I'm right about AMD, that that, that would happen. Um, if they don't use the same chip, who cares what Microsoft buys? Because Sony has its own suppliers. Um, so I think probably the rumors coming because they use uh, not exact, not identical, but but the same manufacturer. And there's just no amount of money micro, Microsoft could spend to to screw that up. Um, think through Microsoft buying Activision. The big fear was they're going to pull all Activision content off to screw Sony. And Microsoft said repeatedly, we won't do that. So, you know, Microsoft under scrutiny from, from the regulators over the Activision deal is not going to do anything to hurt Sony, not while they're waiting for approval on, on Activision. So I would say absolute bunk, that rumor is wrong. But if somebody can prove otherwise, go for it. Uh, you get There's actually rewards if you're a whistleblower in, in an antitrust action. So if you, can, if you can bring that, if you have real proof and you take it to the government, you're right then you'll actually get paid by the government for helping them in that suit. It is AMD, by the way, that makes both the chips. So. That's what I thought. No, I mean, again, I, you know, it's like one of those things like, I'm sure I looked at it, you know, years ago, but I just forgot. So. Yep. Um, so Pac is saying no on um, paying for chip priority from Microsoft. Pac, I don't know if you re realize it or not, but that was a huge thing flying around the internet for the last like three weeks. Everyone was saying, oh, Microsoft, that's why you can buy an Xbox Series console when you can't buy a PS5, because they have chip priority was what they were saying. Well, and the truth is that there's twice as much demand for PlayStation. So, you know, it's probably that, you know, that 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 if they produce nearly the same or let's let's say Sony, you know, produces, uh, you know, a, a million PS5s and Microsoft can can make 700,000 um, Xboxes and demand is 1.4 million and 700,000. Sony's out of stock and Microsoft's fully stocked. That's what's probably going on. Okay. Um, there you go. Great answer as usual. Next up, a question from Erebus Jones. Uh, I lost that one too because you guys are asking so many questions. <laughs> we could do this for the next three the, hours. The Jim Ryan one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Erebus Jones, Jim Ryan stirred up a bit of controversy this week with his non-committal comments on a woman's right to choose. Is this a storm in a teacup for him, or could it get worse? Well, I have to say that, like Jim Ryan, I am a cat person. So I, I was actually really encouraged to hear that he has cats. And uh, I married a woman who's allergic to cats, 
So I had, and my cats were, you know, 13 and 11 when, when we moved in together. So I gave my cats to some, um, some little old ladies in an old folks home who, who cared for them until they died. Uh, and I went and visited them. And now I'm a dog person. So I really think that whole, uh, his, his big long dialogue, he got in trouble for saying, you know, we, we can't be committal on a woman's right to choose. And oh, by the way, I love cats and dogs are great too. So why did but, he bring but, up the cats and dogs stuff? Because he's a genuinely odd guy, and that's why that's why I brought it up. I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, I I do love cats. I'm the cat whisperer. They come to me. Um, but but you know, the controversy isn't over Jim Ryan saying let's be tolerant of people with opposing views. The controversy is that Jim Ryan deflected and started talking about cats and dogs. So and and to be fair, uh, you know how I feel about this guy. Jason Schreier is a great reporter. He really is. He he digs up great stuff, but he has an agenda. And his agenda is all corporate leaders are e- evil, greedy people. So Jason's writing tends to cast the head guy as out of touch with reality. And Jason found something that showed Jim Ryan out of touch. So, you know, my experience with Jim Ryan, he's a gentleman. I like him. I think he's really smart, thoughtful, kind, good guy. Um, did he write a bad memo to employees? Yeah, he talked about his cats. And so should we, you know, should they etch on his tombstone? Jim Ryan was out of touch because of one, you know, one note, or do we give him the benefit of the doubt? Remember the message, which is abortion is a big deal in the U.S. right now. We're about to turn the United States into Gilead and outlaw abortion. My understanding is 28 states are considering it truly outlawing abortion. And um, there are states that are saying, and I think Louisiana, I always get them mixed up, Louisiana, Mississippi, said it's a crime to leave the state to get an abortion. If you leave the state and get an abortion, then when you come back, they'll arrest you. Well, there's a there's a provision in the U.S. Constitution called the right to travel. It's actually there. And it says you have an absolute right to travel among the states. So that's the most unconstitutional thing I've ever seen. But we have state legislators who are hell-bent on controlling women's bodies. So when Jim Ryan says, stay out of this, and by the way, my, my employer probably wants me to stay out of it too, but I have a strong <laughs> <won't> view. <laughs> no, I have a strong view that, that government should leave us the fuck alone. Like, let us, let us control our own bodies. And I believe that about smoking marijuana too, and I actually don't, but I believe it, I believe it that you should. So you know, where are they going to stop? And so Jim Ryan is just saying, look, we're, we're going to sell fewer PlayStations if we alienate the people who are anti-abortion or pro-life or anti-choice, whatever you want to call them. So let's just not be public in our statements and say anything. That's what he's saying. Uh, you know, I'm okay with that. we got a business to run, you know? So, and like I said, I am certain, I think I read that abortion is uh, favored by 64% of the population. 36% aren't in favor. So that's close enough that you, you want to sell PlayStations to the 36% as well. So don't take a position. It's an appropriate thing for a CEO to say, when at work, don't talk about politics. I think that's what he's trying to do. But he deflected by talking about cats. And Jason Schreier made fun of him. And so Jason broke it. Good for him. And, you know, and again, I, pre- I preface all this with I am the cat whisperer. So anybody who likes cats, I automatically like them. Factor isn't part of it that people in in the industry have learned that when they come across stuff like that, they know to send it to Jason Schreier. Hmm. 
Oh, sure. I mean, I think that, like I said, I think where I think Jason is, um, he falls down on the job, is Jason just automatically assumes that the workers need representation and the, the owners are bad. And, and I think that in there are situations where the owners exploit the workers and the owners take advantage and they disproportionately profit. And there are situations where the workers get paid handsomely. Um, you and I have a bunch of friends who work for Epic. Have you heard anybody there say, oh, I hate working for Epic because they exploit me and they don't pay me enough? No, they're all like, what an awesome it, place. Right, exactly. So now Jason hasn't written an article yet about Tim Sweeney, the taskmaster, but but he would. He'd be like, Fortnite should, or should unionize, but they shouldn't because – if your employer takes care of you, you know, so I think Jason just has a bias and, you know, in fairness, all people have biases. I have mine and he has his, and I'm just, you know, I get paid to have an opinion. Um, he's not an opinion writer. He's a news, news reporter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next one from Sweet Cheeks Magoo. Pactor, have you ever made a bad prediction? If so, what was it? And then I'll add on there. What do you think is your, the worst prediction you've ever made? Wait, over what time frame? Like today? It doesn't matter. Yes. Just yes. Period. No, no. Have I ever made a bad prediction today? Yes. <laughs> Yesterday? Yes. Like what? I, I mean, okay. My job, my job is to um, estimate what companies will earn. And, uh, and I'm going to give you kind of statistics terms, but when you estimate what companies are going to earn, you're adding up the sum of all the different streams that they generate in revenue. So I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'll, I'll make it easy. If I was looking at McDonald's, I would have to calculate how many single burgers, double burgers, quarter pounders, fish sandwiches, chicken sandwiches, shakes, sodas, everything, add it all up, and then come up with a revenue number. And every single one of my estimates would be wrong. But what you want to do is have as much detail in your forecast so that the sum of all your mistakes gets really close to zero, right? So that's what I do. So I forecast every single game every company publishes. I forecast how much recurring revenue they have in mobile on each game, game by game. I forecast how much advertising revenue they generate. I Man, you should see my electronic arts model. I mean, I, I have Ultimate Team broken into by, by sport, by FIFA, by Madden, by whatever. And they don't report at all, but that's just how I do it. So it builds up and it adds up. And I'm remarkably accurate, but every single number in my estimate is wrong. Everyone. So, and, and I don't care if I say McDonald's is going to sell 10 cheeseburgers and four quarter pounders, and it turns out it's 12 cheeseburgers and three quarter pounders, the revenue comes out to be the same. So I'm okay. But I, that's how I do it for discipline. So the answer is I am wrong every single day. I've never been right. And the worst the worst prediction I ever made, Grand Theft Auto 3 back in 2001, I predicted it would sell 325,000 units. <laughs> I I missed by 35 million. I missed oh. by 99%. Just so, so close. I, Yeah, I was I wasn't even close. That's the worst that I can ever remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, the most embarrassing, uh, I remember when World of Warcraft launched again, 04, you know, and I said they would top out at 4 million subscribers and they got to 12. Now, I 
didn't miss by as much. I only missed by, you know, 200%. Um, you know, so sure, I miss all the time. Like, never embarrassed because my job is to be right more often than I'm wrong. And I am approaching my 23rd anniversary doing this. And I am earning more this year than I have ever earned ever in my life. And I was very comfortable back when I started doing bonus rounds. So clearly I'm doing something right or they wouldn't pay me. Um, but man, I, I'm wrong daily. All right. We'll ask you one more question. We'll let you go. This has been awesome, by the way. We should try to do this again. If this isn't too, too much of a pain I don't in your butt. AMAs. AMAs are fun. I'm fine with that. That's easy. <laughs> um, it's hard to pick the last one, but I'll go with this one from Cinetype. How are shipping costs still so high? Has there been no work whatsoever on improving the supply of shipping services? All right. It's, it's a bottleneck issue um, at the ports and a bottleneck issue in trucking. So, so what happens is that the ports and the, the transportation system, the, the ground transportation system are optimized for a steady flow. And I'll, I'll make this up, but let's pretend that, you know, that you expect a hundred containers a day at the port for 365 days, right? So that's 36,500 containers a year. You have enough trucking and enough port uh, loading arms to handle a hundred a day. And what happens when you have, you know, the ports out of business for a while because of COVID, you don't have enough people working there. You don't have enough drivers on the trucks or whatever. You get a backup of 200 or 300 or 400 containers. And when demand spikes, now you're trying to run 120 containers through the port. So you're running it more hours a day. There aren't enough trucks. And, and what's really going on is demand got so big that we're back to normal supply. We're in my example, we're back to hundred containers a day. It's just that demand is, is at, at 120 a day. And after let's call it five days, now we need 200 containers. We're, we're behind by hundred. And after 10 days, we're behind by 200. That's the problem. So it's supply has to catch up with demand. And it's just the longer the, Supply demand imbalance tilted in favor of, you know, more supply than demand. I'm sorry, more demand than supply, the longer it takes to work off. I've seen estimates that this doesn't it doesn't fix itself till spring. So a year from now. So I don't know the answer, you know, because obviously everything's a little different, but the way it normalizes container costs go up. And I'm I'm making these numbers up. I, this is close though. A container used to cost four thousand dollars to rent the whole thing. You know, from uh, from putting it on the ship to go back to China until it came back here, and, and until it came until it started to go back to China again. So that's going to China, loading up with stuff, coming back here, getting on a truck, delivering everywhere, going back onto the ship to go to China. So that process, four thousand bucks, probably was a six-week, eight-week process. That's twenty thousand now, mm. because there's so much demand for containers. And what do you do? You know, yes, I guess if you're buying super high-value stuff, you know, like iPhones, you can you can air freight these. But if you're buying, you know, potatoes, no, you wouldn't air freight potatoes. It wouldn't make any sense. So I, I don't think it's going to, it's going to fix itself for quite a while. Um, and 
you know, whose fault is it? And it, honestly, as much as I hate Trump, it's not his fault. It's because we shut everything down during COVID. And it wasn't Trump's fault that we shut it down. It was people buying and we had to fix things. And what ended up happening is we all worked at home. So we weren't eating out as much. So, you know, remember we ran out of toilet paper. You remember, you know why that happened? Because half of all toilet paper is made for industrial use for, for offices. And we stopped going to offices and they didn't have the supply chain to get that to grocery stores so we could buy it. It took months to fix that. So the, the world, they call it just in time. The world is set up for just in time manufacturing, just in time delivery, just in time consumption. And if you tweak that a little bit and you miss by a few days, you're screwed for weeks. We mess with that for a year. So that's what's going on. And I have to say the fun thing for me, I started a project here, which I can't do. I had to hire a, a plumber uh, to get a tankless water heater put in. I started the process March 2nd. It is May 17th, and I still don't have a date for the plumber to actually install it. Wow. So I've been waiting for 10 weeks, and it's mostly because the plumber's backed up, like so busy. But it's me and everybody else who's doing home improvement projects. And guess what? We don't magically invent more plumbers. You know, we got the same number of plumbers. They're just so busy. I have a buddy who's an asphalt contractor. He went from running one crew before COVID to running three full-time crews right now. And he's buying a new boat because he's making so much money. <laughs> no, good for him, you know, yeah, but yeah, but I have a friend with a restaurant that's breakfast, lunch only. She wanted to open it up for dinner. Can't hire a, a short order cook. She can't find a, a cook. It's just like, that's what's going on with everything. And so the big constraint here is full employment. So you can't just go add a bunch of employees. So the solution is you pay truck drivers 100000 or 150000 a year because you need to in order to get this stuff delivered. And even then, we need more trucks and, you know, GM is backed up on trucks. And so it doesn't fix itself quickly. This is a once-in-a-lifetime uh, life disruption I that we so. had. And, well, <laughs> go through this again, Pac. <laughs> Well, I think that we have to be it. We have to get in front of it. And I think vaccines will help. But yeah, once in a lifetime disruption, and it's going to be a once in a lifetime pain getting through it. So the, again, the good news is full employment. And if you don't like your job, you can get a better paying one by just by leaving. So that's what's going on. Awesome. Pac, thank you so much for coming on the show today for episode 300. Um, we, again, the first time you've ever done a live Q&A. Even from the pack attack days, we never did that at Game Trailers. So, uh, appreciate well, I do, I do, I do the and, press. I do the press every day. It's, that's right. always live. Yeah, your live Q and A is with like CNBC usually. Not, exactly. Not with so, people like uh, I gotta say, you guys are aren't no tougher CNBC. than CNBC. So don't worry. <laughs> you look better on Game Face than you do on CNBC. I'm just telling you. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> well, much love, Pactor. Thanks again, man. Have All yourself guys, a great afternoon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Pac. Later. <laughs> Wow. That was great. It actually worked, Matt. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> Everything worked the way it was supposed to for once. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope you guys have a new appreciation for how Pac does his show. Like, it is literally off the cuff. And um, when we first start, like, recording every session, like, 
and you guys probably have seen this when if you watch the show is when he starts his answers are really long <laughs> and mm-hmm. as as we go they get shorter and shorter and i've learned this so i stack the questions in such a way that i make sure that the questions we really want him to hit hard on are some of the first ones that we record so um it's all a science when it comes down to factor factor but uh really appreciate him coming in and uh being a part of episode 300 uh, i hope you guys enjoyed the live q a uh, maybe we can convince him to come back and do Something else with us in the future. Maybe yeah. like once a month we can get him to come on or something. Yeah, I'm really, you just throw like a three, episode 325. <laughs> nice little round numbers at him. Yeah, we can maybe figure something out. But um, thanks to you guys too. You guys came up with great questions right on the fly there. Uh, maybe it would have been smarter if I had told people in advance that we were doing that so they could get questions together. But you guys knocked it, it out of the fun. park. You guys, you guys did a really great job. And wow, the chat is going crazy. So it looked like you guys really enjoyed it. And people are pulling out the pack emojis. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if Pactor is like watching to see all this stuff, but um, I'll be sure to pass it along to him and uh, and let him know. So um, Kevin Roth is asking, have we ever heard how pa- Shane and Pactor met? It was at Game Trailers. Yeah. Um, he, was, he and I recorded an episode of Bonus Round together. And um, yeah, after the, I challenged him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> he said, and I don't know if you guys, if you go back and watch the old episodes of Bonus Round, Pac and I went back and forth a lot on that show. And it was always in good fun. And, you know, we obviously love each other like brothers or whatever. Uh, but he and I would, would tangle a little bit on Bonus Round. And that very first ep- episode that we met, um, he had said something and I challenged him on it. And, um, and being the cool guy that he is when the show was over, instead of being pissy about it, he came up and was like, you made a good point. And we've been friends ever since. Um, and we obviously we worked together on game trailers for years and years, and then he started doing uh, Pactor Factor here on Sifted for us. So much love to Michael Pactor. He is the man. Some of you guys are really using the emojis in great ways here. Hmm. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, actually. Um, you can show Sneaky's giving him wings there. That's pretty awesome. Good guy, Pack. You're you're absolutely right. Pactor is a plus, 110 percent good dude. And Mr. Starwalker says, I love bonus round. I miss those. I do too. Unfortunately, it is the most expensive show to do. And I don't think anyone will ever do it again um, because you have to pay people to come into town. Mm-hmm. We have to pay for people to fly in and we have to put them up in a hotel overnight. Um, obviously, yeah, we, as a comparison point, even X-Play couldn't afford to do that. Yeah, and you were a TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, we basically sacrifice to do it because we knew it was something that no one else was doing. It would help us get attention when we were trying to start out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I don't think it'll ever happen again. We did try towards the end when, <laughs> when the powers that be were like, you need to squeeze the, the belt a little bit and cut down on some of the stuff that you're doing. Then we did shift focus for the show a little bit. And we were a little more conscious of trying to get local people uh, instead of trying to get people in from New York or Europe or wherever they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, we liked it when you did that because then we could get them on our show. Right, because we bring town. them into town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, Bonus Round is one of those flash-in-the-pan things that the people who were there, and if you were there, I hope you enjoyed it, but it's just, it's yeah. not feasible kinda for like most people. Kind of like the entire 2000s, really. It kind of <laughs> was. <laughs> the that early... decade was just sort of like, yeah, it really wasn't, that was like a weird liminal space that's never going to happen again. The early aughts, yeah. yeah. It was a magical time because everything was so new. It's like we were the first website that was just video yeah, for yeah, video it was, games. Like It was just like this constant, it was like 10 years of transition mm-hmm. on about three different levels. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. So next time we do that, we'll be a little better geared up. Like next time you'll have headphones. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for you for that whole segment because he could not hear what Pactor was saying 
Uh, so he couldn't really respond okay, to it. Okay, I just sort of played the movie Diner in my head. <laughs> I tried to lip-read Pactor, but that doesn't work too well. Yeah. Um, Schneeky says, bonus round got bleh at the end, good early on. I, I don't know. I guess uh, that show did depend on the quality of the guests. And the mm-hmm. quality, it's like anything, though. It's like this show. It depends on what's happening. Um, you can, if you're smart and clever and crafty, you can figure out ways to get through dry patches without a lot of big game releases. But there's no arguing that the shows that we had in February and March, when all when every episode we had like two or three big games, there's no denying those are better episodes. Mm-hmm. That's why you guys watch. You want to hear our takes on the big games that are coming out and try to figure out whether you should buy them or not. And when they're not coming out, we have to get smart. <laughs> we have to figure out ways to make it work. Uh, and the shows generally aren't as good, and that's there's nothing we can do about that. We can't control it. So it's the same deal with bonus round and pretty much any type of content that you're doing, and not just in games, but in any industry, really. If there's not ha- much happening in the industry, it's hard to make stuff happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed that. And that kind hard, of— Hard to do an NFL podcast in April. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, now it's not that hard. Uh, no, there's more stuff happening. Because they've, they've structured the NFL in such a way that mm-hmm. it's now— 365 right because they're a business that's got to happen that way but like, and people care yeah it's like you can people care but that about, was a time where you just didn't hear about football it just disappeared the super bowl and like nothing late spring there'd be the training, draft maybe. Like, yeah it'd be a draft there'd be spring training or like you know there'd be you know boot camp basically yeah but then like you didn't really hear it until the first games well once the nfl the realized that people would watch nfl teams practice it yeah, was all over. All out the window. So now yeah. they figured out that like they have like their OTAs where and they have right. their rookie camp. They have their OTAs. They have the draft. They have the NFL Combine, and then they have their real training camp, and then the preseason. They have managed to stretch the NFL season out to a full year because people are that interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, but Learn like from reality TV. Yeah, but like basketball, hockey, baseball, mm-hmm. people just don't care enough about those sports to watch content around it all year round. You know, that, baseball. I- it's hard to get people to watch the sport. Period. So. Yeah. <laughs> average, the average age of the World Series viewer is almost 60 years old. Yeah. It's like comic books, like physical comic books. Like once that gener- like once our generation dies off, that's pretty much the end of that. Yep. And it feels like that might be true for baseball, too. Yep. Well, people, that kind of does it for the special part of Game Phase 300. Believe it or not, Matt and I have a whole episode of other content for you guys today. We have I played a game this week. Matt played a game this week that we're going to talk about. And we're going to get into that right now. We're going to kick things off. And I hope I have my graphics correct here. Nope. (laughs) Now I do. We're going to kick things off by talking about Evil Dead the Game. Matt, I'm just going to go full disclosure here. I am a gigantic Evil Dead fan. Mm. For a good 15 years of my life, I would have said that my favorite horror movie was the original Evil Dead. And then eventually those effects became almost corny over time when i was like a child and i was a child when i watched evil dead for the first time that movie scared the living crap out of me like i couldn't sleep for like four days it disturbed me hardcore now i watch it and i'm like oh that's like rice Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like oh my god it's they're eating maggots and it's just rice or whatever but anyway i am a gigantic evil dead fan i have like the collector's editions of the movies i have the one that's like the necronomicon it's yeah, like i had this, that until it started to rot yeah it's like this weird rubbery like yeah. demon face on this the dvd cover i am a big evil dead fan so just know that that's where i'm coming from when i talk about this game matt have you played it at all no okay so 
It is a 4v1 asymmetrical multiplayer game, and... It does have an X-Play uh, alum working on it, though. Who? Uh, a girl named Erica. Really? Who, uh, she was an intern, and uh, that actually she started because I met her at PAX uh, in Seattle. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Seattle, and she came up while we were shooting in the fall, Fallout trailer, the little like, trailer thing we had. And uh, like basically, it was just like I desperately want to work on your show. I love your show. And I'm like, I'm like well, you gotta be, you know, in school, and you gotta, you know, be in LA. And and she's like, I'll I'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, give me, you know, email me, and I'll tell Wade, the, our series producer, like, you know, make sure. And like a month or a couple months later, she was she came in the office. She's like, I made it. And I'm like, okay. And from there, she's like, you know, she went on to work at uh, uh, e and Ubisoft and all these places, but she's working on this game. So, okay. Uh, so there's a there's a G4 connection on this one. Um, I've seen her posting about it. Okay. Um, so as I said, this is a four v one multiplayer game. You play as one of two sides. You either either play as the survivors, which are the humans, or you can play as essentially the demons, the deadites, the Kandarian, whatever the hell you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you play as the demons, you play by yourself, and you basically play dungeon master you your goal is to obviously stop the survivors and you can use possession of almost anything to do that so that's the basic premise of the game this um, is the people that made friday the 13th right i believe so but it sure looks like friday the 13th i mean it, it is very similar to like a lot of those games dead by daylight yeah of course it's obviously like from that so but i, I thought this was the people who made Friday, that Friday the Thirteenth game. Now, a lot of if you have played the Friday the Thirteenth game, one thing you realize very quickly is that the the long term value of these games depend heavily on the IP that they're based upon. Yeah. Well, in the case of that game, they got screwed on the licensing issues. So. Yeah, there was a bunch of issues with the license there, but it's a lot of it is like how many characters really are there in this universe that people care about. Now, I'm an Evil Dead. I mean, head. I can answer that for you for this and say one. One. Right, yeah. Now, I'm an Evil Dead maniac. I know all the characters from all the films, and I do have an affinity towards a lot of them. But most people are going to play this game, and they're going to be like, I know Ash, mm-hmm. and... And that's about it. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Otherwise... Have you seen Doctor Strange, the new one? Uh-uh, no. You should, I mean, an Evil Dead fan is going to find some familiar things in it. Oh, really? Because it, well, it's Sam Raimi directed. Oh, so. okay. He throws everything. I mean, there's definitely some stuff as an Evil Dead fan, which I am not really. Yeah. I, I like Army of Darkness. That's how you know. See, I don't the, like that. That's one. how you know I'm not a real Evil that's Dead fan one. because I, I think like. that's the best one. Yeah, see, I, that's my least favorite. Yeah. Um, evil. I can't. I find the first Evil Dead unwatchably bad. Really? Um, just in terms. Of, I. I mean, I saw it about the probably around the same time you did, and I just thought it was the. It was funny like i thought really know, like because like i know they're, they're trying to be gory and serious but like it was just the, the effects in that were always ridiculous to me i, think I evil, didn't think they were i think evil dead 2 is a vastly better like version. the one shot where the evil dead 2 is basically a remake so it is with, budget, with like right? comedy yeah yeah and um, like Raimi kind of found his niche there yeah um the first one i thought it was gory out that like there's the i mean one... they want it to be but like i th- those effects never see i like that they me. used like white instead of red for the blood like mm-hmm. that freaked me out like there's the one scene where he's out and he's burying the bodies and the one possessed girl dives at him and he takes the shovel and as she's diving he chops her head off and then the corpse falls on him 
and the neck pumps the white crap like down mm-hmm. his throat like as a kid that i lost it dude i was like <laughs> are you effing kidding me you got to realize like there weren't movies like that even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you go watch the original movie, it's not very gory. There's only mm-hmm. like three scenes that are even kind of gory. And the one that isn't even really gory when he puts her on the meat hook. It's mm-hmm. just disturbing. Like there just weren't movies like that back then. Yeah, that it was more the, the art envelope. direction was, I mean, they used like real meat for things. Right. Like, I mean, but, like, look, don't get me wrong. In terms Texas of people Chainsaw Massacre scared the crap out of yeah, me. But, but in terms of people like actually getting butchered on screen. Yeah, really this happen. was, I mean, the first Evil Dead was just beyond... Like, eventually mm-hmm. you got Day of the Dead, which was rated X, and mm-hmm. they had to not show it in a lot of theaters, or they had to show it in actual porn theaters in New York, because he didn't want to basically neuter the movie and take out the gore. Mm-hmm. That was the next big step up, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, which is funny, because nowadays it probably would barely get a mid-R. It's still pretty burly. It's pretty gory, but, like, gore doesn't get you an X anymore. Yeah, you're right. But there's that one scene, like, the gore in that was... Now I'm turning into my my old gorehound self, but there's a scene in Day of the Dead where the zombies rip this guy apart, and Mm -hmm. the zombies put their fingers in his eye holes, and they pull his head apart, and if Mm -hmm. you listen, and this is how sick Rainey was, his voice, as they stretch his vocal cords and they snap, his voice goes, aye! And then snap. Like, anyway. <laughs> I mean, Romero was. I used was to meticulous. love these films and I used to know everything about them. I used to have a subscription to Fangoria magazine. I had a poster on my wall as a kid of the scene from Videodrome where mm. the body exploded. And it was literally a centerfold from Fangoria that was like four feet mm. long. My dad would come in my room and he thought I was like a little psychopath. Eh. He's like, what is that on your wall? He's like, that's someone Cronenberg, like... Cronenberg, son, respect. <laughs> Put some respect on the man's name. Yeah. So anyway, just to kind of tell you where I'm, at, where I'm coming from with this, and even I will agree that like the characters in this, nobody's going to care. I really didn't even care all no. that much, to be honest. I mean, it doesn't really matter. In the you don't end. think it does? I mean, it, I mean, I think you gain. I think if you get into the game and you play a certain character, whether you know them from the movies or not, you're going to get attached to that character. I remember. They're okay, pretty I, okay, I remember the guy with the red hair from Army of Darkness. Yeah, the, the, the knight. I well, yeah, he's him. dressed as the knight. That's the. But I remember that character. I don't remember his name, but I do remember him in in that movie. Yep. Well, this has 13 characters from all three original movies plus the 2015 TV comedy spinoff, um, Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, all the characters are divided into four different classes. There's a leader, a warrior, a hunter, and support. You can pretty much figure out what all those classes do. Each of the, each character has a distinct set of abilities within that class. Like, support characters can... Like, one support character would, like, lay down a healing aura that restored, like, the health of the whole party. But then there was another character that was in the healing class that would restore his own health when he would deliver a heavy attack. So, even within the different classes, there are variations on how those class abilities actually work. Um, You can permanently level up your characters, and that will increase aspects of their abilities as well. Things like their resistance to fear. And resistance to fear in this game is very important because if you... It's a little bit like um, Eternal Darkness in in that if you become too scared or too disturbed, you can become possessed in this. You become... It's easier for the person who is playing as the demon... To then possess you. And once they possess you, they take control of your body and then go attack like your teammates. So a big part of this game is staying close to your teammates because if you get away from them, your fear level basically skyrockets. And so teamwork is pretty important in this as far as that's concerned. Um, and there's a 
there's a very specific pattern of things that you need to do as a team. First, you have to find three map fragments. And those, once you do that, you, you, end, you have the whole map. And then that points you to the Necronomicon and the Kandarian Dagger. And the, the Necronomicon, once you find the location, you collect pages of that. Then you collect the dagger. And basically what's happening when you're doing this is it's a horde mode. So you get to the Kandarian Dagger, you activate it, and then you defend the Kandarian Dagger for X amount of time. And you mm. do that with the map pages. You do that with the Necronomicon. Then you do that with the Kandarian Dagger. And then you end up here. And this is like the final confrontation where you're fighting the Dark Ones. And so once you have the dagger, you can use that electric attack to attack the Dark Ones. And they have a meter that goes down. And while this is happening, the person who is playing the demon is spawning tons of enemies around you. And then eventually, the person who plays as a demon can play as the boss character from that demon set. Now, there's nine, I believe there's nine different sets of demons that you can play as and as those sets you have like the oh, lead you got possessed yeah exactly you have like the lead demon who's the boss basically but then also the soldiers and the foot soldiers are different for each of those nine um and so once you get to this point it's all hands on deck it's you guys trying to team up to take down the dark ones while the demon is spawning demons all around you and after you defeat these guys, then the Necronomicon sits there, and you have to go through another wave of enemies defending the Necronomicon. And then you have if to you... remember the words. What'd you say? You have to remember the words. Which words? Klaatu Varada Nikto. Oh, wow. You're going to summon some crap up in here, Kyle. I'm going to summon the guy from Day the Earth Stood Still, because that's where it's from. <laughs> or the aliens from Jabba's Palace. Yeah. But um, uh, no, that, that probably is just Army of Darkness. Though. Yeah. Although there's a lot of Army of Darkness stuff in here. Oh, yeah. They have, like I said, it's it includes all three films. It is kind of crazy that there's only three original films for an IP that's stood the test of time and been around this long. Well, that's uh, dedicated fans. Yeah, I'm one of them, for sure. So now at this point, we're defending the, the Necronomicon. The Dark Ones have disappeared, and you see there's the book there. And there's that little meter that tells you how much time is left, and it just turns into a mad scramble, a mad dash at the end. There's the, the boss. Yeah, there's the boss there, too, by the way. Um, so whoever's playing the demon has, has now manifest as the boss, and uh, we're trying to take him down. You can see the health meter for those. Yeah, it's not going too well for Evil nope. Ash. Nope, <laughs> it's definitely not. Um, but that's the pattern. You start each match, you go and you try to find the pages of the map. Once you get the map, then you know where the dagger and the Necronomicon are. Then you go and activate those. You, you basically go through a horde mode around those. Then you come to the dark ones and do another horde mode around them. Um what else? Let's talk about what it's like to play as the demons. So when I first started playing this, I really had little interest in playing as the demons. And I, are you like that, Matt? Do you always prefer to play as the team or the one? Do you prefer to play as the four or the one in these games? The one. Do you, you do? Okay. I don't have to worry about what the idiots on my team are doing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I hear that. Um, I prefer to play as the four for whatever reason. And I think a big part of it is that generally I assume that the one is more complicated. And usually it is. Usually. And in this game, it is as well. If you play as a demon, it is a much more complicated game to play. But it's all, I believe it's a lot more fun. And the reason I like it, a lot of these games, the one is like Jason. And he's just this dude. Like, Jason had some special powers. Like, he could, couldn't he run fast and, like, teleport? Uh, depending on which Jason you were using. Yeah. Yeah, those are, they all, they all had a, a different power kind of based, somewhat based on what the, what he did in that, in the movie they were Right, right. From. When this, and this is one of the coolest parts of the game, honestly, 
In this, the demon travels like the demon from the movies. So he can move through the woods. Like, and like the, the first person yeah. camera it, speed. That, yeah. that made me feel more like I was playing a, an Evil Dead game than anything else. Playing as the demon and whipping through the woods. I love that that guy, the, the guy that looks like the actor who played the, the character, which means they had to go get his likeness right. Yeah. Which must have been an amazing <laughs> phone call to get. Yeah, thirty years after yeah. you did that movie, and like, and we'll give you forty bucks. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> but playing as a demon, you start out, and there are these orbs that you have to pick up, and you'll see it later in the B-roll. I actually play as the demon and kind of show it off to you guys. But you fly through the woods, and these orbs that you pick up, which are basically your currency that allows you to do the demon stuff. So a demon can possess a number of things. It can That's possess. That's what I call vodka. Yeah, exactly. It can possess NPCs. It can possess trees. Which is crazy, which is right in line with the yeah, no, that's, that's, with the IP, obviously. That's canon. Yep. It can possess cars. It can yeah. possess a car while they're in the car, is and the you can ca- shove is, them out. Is the car in it? It oh, Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? There's, oh, there's a name for it. I can't remember. It. It's can't in remember. Doctor Strange. Yeah. But, oh, it is? Yeah. But it's in this, too. Um, and there's cars everywhere. You can get in cars. It's really weird, because there's cars everywhere, but it's really hard to drive, because it's always in the woods. Mm-hmm. so you're constantly trying to swerve around trees and stuff like there are roads but like if you follow the roads it'll take you forever to get somewhere so a lot of times you get in a car with somebody who can't drive and you're just banging off of trees pinballing off trees the whole way onto your destination um so anyway as a demon you pick up these orbs and that gives you the currency to do all the possessions and not only can you possess things you can also set up traps that are basically like jump scares like you just there's these little like riffs almost that you find through the world and then you spend some of your resources and if someone comes across them it's basically just subjects them to a jump scare and then increases their fear and makes it easier for you to possess them um you can also obviously possess the other team or the team that you're playing against once their fear level is at a certain level it's much easier to possess them and that's kind of your goal and at the very end you can manifest to try to you basically manifest the boss so you can actually go in and physically fight you can physically fight too if you possess like one of the four characters. You actually take them over for a limited amount of time. Um, you can possess the cars and drive the cars and run over the four other players with the hmm. car. It's just, there's a lot more flexibility when you play as the demon versus playing as the humans in this game. And so for me, it's the first 4v1 multi- asymmetrical multiplayer game where I enjoy playing the one more than I enjoy playing as the four. And it does, it does feel a little bit like you're a dungeon master. And another thing I would argue that sets this apart, Matt, is that they can't see you. That changes a lot in this. Like, like even though, like, some of Jason's forms or whatever could teleport or run really fast or do whatever he could do, you could always see him. In this, like, you can almost sit back. And again, this is very much like Evil Dead. Because you, there are scenes in Evil Dead movies where the demon's just sitting in the woods watching. And they'll just show the camera from that first-person perspective for a little while as it whips around outside the cabin. And it's like looking inside the windows and stuff. That is portrayed in this game. And it's it's a voyeuristic a little bit because you can sit back. And one thing I also like that I could do in this game is once you understand the flow that I explained earlier, which is find the map fragments and then find the the knife, and then find the Necronomicon. You know what the four are going to do. And so you're like, I didn't, wouldn't even bother with messing with them while they were collecting the pieces of the map. Instead, I would go to the Kandarian dagger, or I would go to the Necronomicon, and I would set things up. Mm-hmm. So I would take a car, I would put it on top of the dagger, 
and possess it so that when they get in the car to move it so they can access the dagger, they get attacked. And you can just set up like a trap basically around these objects and then just sit in the woods and watch it all go down. And that to me was the coolest part about this game, the voyeurism angle of it, like setting up a mouse trap and then watching the mice come and try to get through the mouse trap. That was a lot of fun to me, I thought. Um, what else? There's a tutorial. It's good. It teaches you both sides. There's a tutorial for each one of them. There are single player missions in this, but they're not like campaign missions. They're loosely based around scenes from the films, but really it's just like one element from like some scene that you'll remember. But for the most part, they're really boring. But it, what sucks is that a lot of the unlocks, you have to unlock them playing through the missions. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of are forced if you want to unlock new characters. Because when you start, there's a handful, but like I said, there's 13 total. When you start, there's only three demons unlocked, and there's ultimately nine that you can unlock. So you have to play through this game a lot to get access to all that stuff. As I mentioned, as you play and compete, not only do your abilities level up, but also um, you unlock stuff through all the different stuff that you do, new characters. There's only two maps in this game, Matt. That is my biggest criticism of this entire game, mm. two maps. It gets old real fast. Yeah, that is sort of the thing that I found to be a problem with these games in general. Like, I, I remember being shocked when I found out that um, uh, every game of Dead by Daylight is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, because they had so many killers and so many, you know, so many enemies, and I kind of figured that, like, you know, all those enemies have different abilities, but I kind of figured there were different ways you had to beat each one. Right. But no, it's the same thing every time, and it has no thematic connection to. I think that's awful. Yeah. Like, at least this, I see, you know, this is all rooted in, you know, maybe they're doing the same thing every time, but I can see that it's rooted in the theme of Evil Dead, um, more or less. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's sort of my problem with multiplayer games in general, is just doing the same thing over and over again, and I don't mm -hmm. care what happens. This you know? does become very rote because, again, you have to follow the same process every game. Yeah. And there's only two maps. And there's only so many places you can put the place the pieces that they're supposed to find and are they in the same place every time or is it like randomized places i think they're randomized mm. yeah yeah they are um and then a third map is coming they've announced it already and you'll be happy to know that it is from your favorite evil dead movie so that, <laughs> um but then there will still only be three maps which isn't that much mm -hmm. um well, it just be like a castle i guess yeah, it's the castle yeah. the kandarian castle yep um the controls are trash honestly there's no jump button in the game Mm. Um, there is a clamor button and I've been playing this on Xbox Series X and this footage is from Xbox Series X and you hit the Y to clamber over stuff but it's very awkward and weird and it's hard to tell what you can and can't climb over and so a lot of the times and if you're scared and you're trying to get away you're trying you try to like just run up a little ramp and you just never know whether your character is going to be able to run up the ramp or it's going to be like nope you can't go up that so you're always kind of looking for a pathway that you could run on which does ratchet up the fear and the terror a little bit, but it just feels cheap after a while. And it's like, why can't I jump in this game? Like, it's, you literally can't jump up on something that's a foot tall. It's just, it seems silly. Um, auto lock for enemies works when it's just like one or two of them, but then things get messy when they're like a bunch of them. Like, you could see there was the one scene in the cabin earlier where all of us were fighting uh, like two deadites or whatever, and it was just insanity. Like, you could not tell what was going on at all. You have heavy and light attacks, and then you also have a finisher that you click on the right stick to execute. Once they get down, their health gets down to a certain level, an icon will pop up above their heads, and it's and you hit R3 to execute them. 
And it's just like a mad dash. Everyone's just clicking their right stick trying to get their finisher move in. You never know if you're the one who's going to get it. Another thing about this game, it's another first-come, first-serve game where the first person who gets to whatever there is gets it, and then there's nothing. I played some matches in this where I got to the end, and I still only had, like, a sledgehammer. Like, I had no guns, no anything. The guns in this game, the aim is weird. You can't, It doesn't even feel like they're firing like, there's no force feedback in the controller, really. The enemies don't really react when they get shot. You can't see, like, blood flying off of them when you shoot yeah, them. They, all, they do all seem to kind of be damaged sponges. It's weird. Like, I, the guns, I ended up using melee in this almost all the time. Even though guns seem to work okay, it just felt better using the melee weapons. And then the, the, the other thing, too, is that you find power-ups in this throughout the world called Pink F. And mid-match, you can level up your character. You can level up how much melee damage they do. You can level up how much gun damage that they do. Um, and there's probably eight different categories for each character. I've never had a match last long enough that I got more than, like, a few points in, like, three or four different categories. But conceivably, if the matches eventually last longer on different maps, maybe, uh, you'd have the ability to kind of build your character mid-match. I didn't get much of a chance to do that. Uh, weapons don't break. I do appreciate that. Because um, in game, a lot of games like this, a lot of times your weapons will break after a while and you have to go find another one. Maybe they did that because of the first-come, first-serve nature of getting the weapons. I don't know. Um, you also find cans of soda that you can use to replenish your health. Uh, there were definitely times where I had no health in this and I just kept dying over and over again and my teammates had to just keep reviving me over and mm. over. It gets annoying. Because uh, it can be hard to find, like, the soda cans to boost your health. And then you're just screwed. Because, as I said earlier, you can't stray away from the team because your fear level goes up and you get possessed. And then you end up getting stuck farther away. It's like a self-defeating cycle, essentially. Um, so it almost is at loggerheads with itself. Um, what else? Graphics, as you've seen, are okay. They're not great. They look um, a lot better than Friday the 13th. They do. Yeah, it's a huge step up on, on Friday the 13th. Dead by Daylight, maybe a little bit, not as much. But it's still not an amazing-looking game. Some of the finishers are pretty gory and cool, but there aren't enough of them. Eventually, you get really sick of them after a while. Um, as I said, there's just two masters, a third coming, and it is the Kandarian, a Castle Kandar is what it's called. Mm. But I think ultimately... The game just, in general, just feels, like, way too limited and too rigid because there's only that one game style where you do the same process of things over and over again, and there's only the two maps. It does start to become pretty repetitive pretty quickly. The uninteresting characters don't help, and again, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan, and it didn't really help me at all. Um, also... The to be game fair, is... the Dead by Daylight characters have huge fan followings now, and they don't—they aren't anybody. Oh, so really? All you need to do—they're making a dating game. Are you kidding me? No. With the characters from yeah, that? with the characters from Dead by, <laughs> Dead by Daylight. <laughs> That's funny. So if you if you catch on, it doesn't matter. Whether, <laughs> I guess whether not. Knows. Uh, the one thing I would say though is his one-liners are all missing. Like I don't know if those—maybe you know this, Matt. Are those separate copyrights or something? I mean, part of the problem is probably that most of his one-liners uh, are known as Duke Nukem lines now. Oh. Um, you know, like a lot of that. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, that shouldn't be a separate copyright, no. Um, uh, they're you could even just get away with the fact saying, like, they're, they're pop culture references, really. Uh-huh. Um, is Bruce Campbell doing voices in this? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, then. 
It's weird. But yeah, like all his famous sayings, like they repeat like the same one over and over again, which I was like, what? Like mm. he has like 10 that I remember anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say you'd, you'd want Hail to the King and uh, um, Groovy and uh, Good Bad, I'm the Guy with a Gun. Uh, there's, I mean, yeah, you could you could cycle through a lot of them. You hear the Groovy pro- a lot. The real problem <laughs> would be pick it, figuring out things for the other characters to say. Yeah. I mean, they do have famous lines in, like, the single-player missions. You hear some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like, the one girl, like, in one of the missions, her head is, like, attached to your hip. And all she does is just mm-hmm. fire off, like, all her lines from the movie. Yeah, and maybe more of the uh, maybe more of the lines will show up with the new map because That's most possible. most of those lines are from Army of Darkness. That's true. Where it went to more of a comedic angle. Yeah, yeah. Give That's me true. Some sugar baby. Like all yeah, that. that's a good point. Like all that stuff is from that one. That's true. The one everybody remembers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of that's because Evil Dead One and Two did not have distribution even on the level of. Oh, there are indie Darkness. films. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Uh, and most people, just let's be honest, didn't want to watch gore like that. No, I mean, most people just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I watched I watched them back in the day. I didn't... But then, like, I remember Army of Darkness had com- ads in comic books. Like, the back covers uh-huh. of all the comic books for, like, a, like two, three months was Army of Dar- Army, the Army of Darkness poster. And I remember, I remember two things about it. First, I'm like, I remember thinking, is that Evil Dead related? Because that looks like the guy from Evil yeah. Dead, which is yeah. bad uh-huh. when that's my reaction. I'm like, is that even... And I didn't realize it was Evil Dead 3 until I saw it. Yeah. And... Two, I remember uh, showing my girlfriend at the time that, who was a fundamentalist Christian, oh, and geez. she basically was like, I'm not seeing that. And I was like, <laughs> but, but, Not like, gonna happen. Uh, one of the most trouble I ever got in was when I tried to show her Warlock. Oh, geez. You remember that movie? Yeah. Uh, with, was it's it all Ju- about, Julian like, Sands? Yeah, yeah. I can see she, why. Because <laughs> she was into, like, the, the devil's, like, supernatural stuff. I'm like, oh, you'll like this, because... Satan loses or something, but you know, as soon as he started using the eyeballs to like find his way through things, she left the room and wouldn't. Oh yeah, I anymore. can see that. Yep. Her dad liked it a lot. Though. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and they, honestly, like I'm a huge fan of the films, but I only feel like it helped a little bit. Like I don't feel like it really ingratiated me to the game all that much. Um, no, theme only takes you so far. Yeah. Um. I mean, it just got repetitive. No matter how much I like Evil Dead, I couldn't shirked the fact that I was doing the same things yeah, over I mean, and over again. That's how I felt playing multiplayer in Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Or I De- can see that. Or Transformers Devastation. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I really like what you're doing <laughs> presentationally, but I have done the same combo on the same robot 4,000 times, yeah. and I got, like, a slightly better axe out of it, and I have better things to do with my life. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. No, that's a that's a problem with just about anything that, that has, like, that kind of limited scope, and the theming is sort of being pasted onto... You know, an already successful idea. Yeah, um, which is really, which is definitely what's happening here. And there's, you know, uh, frankly, I would not attempt to compete with the Dead by Daylight thing. Like it feels like you're up against a monolith with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, and it feels like Evil Dead is probably not the the the, the key to that. I do puzzle. wonder, like, how many? Like, I'm looking at the chat here, and I it doesn't seem like a lot of people in the chat really know much about Evil Dead because it is an old IP. I mean, yeah. the, the TV show from 2015, that helped a little bit, but... I mean, that's probably the best. I mean, if you were a, a film nerd, horror person from in the 80s and early 90s, you definitely know what Evil Dead is. Yeah. And like, they I did mean, remake it recently, too, and I thought that, yeah, that was okay. I didn't see that, but, uh, you know, it's certainly like... You know, I introduced a lot of people I knew to at least Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness when Sam Raimi was, you know, the guy doing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this guy. I'm like, well, let's... You watch the thing. You know, sort of like when Peter Jackson did... Uh, Lord of the Rings, and I was like, oh my, oh, oh, you want to see his old stuff? 
Well, we're going to watch Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles, and you're never going <laughs> to trust me on a movie recommendation again. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's a weird... It was a weird... Like, you know, like, you remember what I said about, like, you know, the, the, the first decade of the 2000s being, like, that weird liminal space. Like, the two biggest revolutions in film at that time were directed by two horror schlock indie, indie directors who, I would argue peaked with both of those movies and never made something particularly <laughs> great again. Yeah, um, it's funny. Like like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson getting Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings was just like the perfect project for both of those directors at, at the that exact time. right time. <laughs> at that time, yeah. Like, you had, Ra- you know, it was exact Raimi's sensibility, Raimi's complete lack of fear of camp and schlock to make the Silver Age Spider-Man the way he did. Yeah. Because it ha- that, was the, that was the trick with Sam Raimi there was... Sam Raimi was the first guy to direct a comic book movie who grew up loving comic books. Right. Like, he was the first one to be like, why would I change all this stuff when it already works? It's great. And, like, he set that tone for, I mean, you don't get the MCU without the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I mean... Whatever you think of how they age, and I don't think they age tremendously well... Um, You could argue that that Spider-Man movie set the whole superhero thing in motion. It did. That and X-Men. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man set in motion the idea that you can just take the stuff from the comics and it'll work on screen. Mm -hmm. And X-Men set the tone of like, oh, people don't need to have heard of this stuff if you make it cool. It was good. Um, X-Men was a year before Spider-Man. Yeah. People forget that. I do. I, I did forget that actually. Yeah, I still because I was working at Twenty Four Fitness in Thousand Oaks when that came out, and I remember asking people I was working with like, "Who's going to go see X Men this weekend?" And everyone's like, "Why would anyone want to go see that garbage?" And I was like, oh, and, and "Just wait." <laughs> how the turntables, <laughs> lads. That's funny. Um, this game is forty bucks, which to That's me a lot is this. too much. Yeah, yeah. it's steep. And this, this feels like a wait for the inevitable Halloween PS Plus giveaway. Yeah, it's a little too much. And there is a season pass coming with four DLC packs. Now, if I if they were going to charge forty bucks and you get four C, four DLC drops, that seems fair to me. Like I'd be okay mm-hmm. with someone paying forty bucks, knowing you're getting four drops. Yeah, you're getting some support in there. But it, paying extra for no way, no way. You can't launch a game with two maps, and there will be a third shortly for forty bucks. The, the single player campaign is five missions, and they do make them like cheaply difficult towards the end to like ex- make them more last longer than they should. Mm-hmm. But you still can finish like all the missions in like an hour. Like yeah. it doesn't take that much time. And they're not great anyway. It's like I just played them so I could unlock stuff to use in the 4v1 modes. And that's it. There's no other modes or anything. You know what I would like? Like a, a version of this, you know, this subgenre that I would actually be interested in trying if someone was ambitious enough to make it would be Nightmare on Elm Street. And except Freddy's got the ability to do crazy, weird dream logic shit. Oh, like, like if you yeah. if everything was just completely crazy. Like Surreal. If, if you and... could mess with stuff like way more in terms of what, you know, the reality and the kind of things. Uh-huh. Like, if you could do some Psychonauts level stuff yeah. with that, like, that cool. would be more interesting to me. Or just what about a superhero one? Yeah. Where like you yeah, play as like work. the beyond, one person plays as like the beyonder or something. And then everyone else plays as four superheroes. Like you can, yeah. there's, there's room to do stuff with this model for sure. I think, uh, and who knows what they got in the works, because um, they're about, you know, the MCU is about to get into Kang, right. uh, the yeah. Conqueror, mm-hmm. who has, he, there's about five or six different versions of him through time, and they don't even get along with each other, and, like, they're all in different time periods, and they jump between time periods. You could definitely do, like, an Avengers game 
that used Kang as the demon yeah, kind of character in this and have a wide variety of things you had. I mean, because you're talking about things as, as wide as having him be Ramatud in ancient Egypt versus like Immortus in the far future versus Iron Lad in the present. Like there's a ton of stuff you could do yeah, with, that, with that, that. That like would not feel like the same thing over and over again. You could even have each time period have its own set of objectives. So yeah, that's a good idea. That's, that's a good idea. And like you could really tweak the powers to work that way. But uh, we're going to have to get through that XCOM thing first. Yep. So, I look, I did enjoy my time with this. And if you're an Evil Dead fan like me, and I'm sure there's, there's, probably, the car. there's probably three people who are who are like Evil Dead as much as I do who are going to watch this episode. But if you are like me, like, it's borderline worth the 40 bucks because they're just, Matt, there just haven't been mm. Evil Dead games. GX Gear, the boys version of this. That would be interesting. Yeah. You could do the Homelander as a as a bad guy. That yeah. would work. You, the, the, you could keep the gore too. Yeah. Yep. Um, Erebus says they already did that with Lego Marvel Superheroes two. Is he joking? Uh, well, I mean, Kang is a villain in that, right? But, but is there a four v one mode in there? Uh, not that I know of, but I didn't play a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I even for big Evil Dead fans like me, I really struggle to say that this is is worth the money that they're asking. Forty bucks is a lot for this game. Um, 40 bucks is a lot for that. I would not be surprised if eventually this game comes to PlayStation Plus or Game Pass mm-hmm. or some way where you can get it for free or Epic Game Store gives it away. I mean, I don't think it's going to be too long for this 20. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Um, and then maybe they'll be like, oh, you know what? We made our money at launch and now we're going to make some money off of our DLC so we can lower the pr- the base price. I don't know. I would sit tight for now. The game just came out on Friday. No early reviews, by the way, which is weird because it's not that bad. Like, this isn't the typical game that doesn't get pre-launch reviews. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a server issue or what. Like they didn't, they wanted people to review it on live servers. And I'll say this too: the game does have tons of people playing it. There's no problems getting games at all. They're fast too. There's cross-play for all platforms. There's the player pool is plenty big enough to get games very quickly. Um, so there's not a lot of downtime between games, which is good. Uh, but forty dollars is just a little stiff. If it was thirty bucks, I would probably recommend it for most players. But mm. as it is right now, it's just a little too steep for my blood. Uh, but there you go, Evil Dead, the game. And Matt, there just hasn't been Evil Dead games. No, I mean not good ones. I mean there just hasn't been really. Been Fistful of Boomstick is from what twenty two thousand five or two thousand six? Somewhere in there, yeah. There was haven't the, been many one, since. Was that the one with Mini Ash? Yeah, I believe so. Was it because there were two back then? I remember two. Yeah. But it's been a long and that time. One, and the one with Mini Ash really killed it for a while. Yeah. Yep. So, well, the, the whole IP was dormant for a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Much to my chagrin. I mean, it's still crazy that there's only three mainline films in that series yeah. after all this time. I mean, it's been 50 years. What year was, was the first Evil Dead release? 77, maybe? Uh, it was later than that. Was it later? It was definitely later was than that. Was it at the 80s? It was an 80s movie. 81, yeah. maybe. Raimi's not, Raimi's not that much older than us. 81 maybe for the first evil dead so you're still looking at 40 some years that that ip has been around there's only three films mainline films yeah that's not that's 81 and then two was 87 six years i didn't realize there was six years between the first and second and then he just remade the first one that's really bizarre and And added jokes like the eyeball Uh (laughs) i swallow your soul i swallow your soul all right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, what you may be thinking of from the 70s is uh, Sam Ra- he did a short film called Within the Woods in 1978, ah, which expanded out into Evil Dead. Which was afterwards. his precursor, yeah. yeah. Actually, if you go and read like the stories about the making of the Evil Dead, 
it's an interesting story because yeah, I mean, they're in this little dinky town and they're like in this little town like trying to buy all the stuff to make gallons and gallons of blood and the people in the town are like what the what are you doing f is going on out there like and there's like all this they're putting bruce campbell through all kinds of hell uh-huh and, but he knew he's just like oh this is what we got to do yeah get this done they, they hated knew. it the they actors knew. hated had, it <laughs> well but they knew they had to get out of there yeah yeah so, it's an interesting it. story yep uh okay let's move on we're gonna talk next about bad news, hmm. particularly bad news if you're an Xbox fan and you only have an Xbox. Um, Bethesda announced this week that its two biggest games that it has in development, both Starfield and Redfall, have been delayed out of 2022, Matt. my Two of my top three games for my draft are gone. Mm-hmm. It's over. Yeah. Unless I mean, I, God all... of War ends up delayed. That's it. That's my only yeah, chance. There's a, there's a possibility there. I'm starting to think but, it's a... Uh good possibility now mm, i don't know about that but like the um yeah i mean this is Redfall doesn't shock me there's a reason Redfall was my last pick yeah um so this is officially both of my alternates are used yeah on, on the fantasy team yeah uh Star- i'm now officially out of game yeah starfield is um like i don't think anybody's super shocked at this but i think we were all hoping it wasn't going to happen. It's like nothing is sacred anymore. You can put a release date in your flipping trailer, and that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's insane, Matt. I've literally lost almost half my team. Yeah. And I thought I was drafting crazy conservative. I didn't. But really? No, it's not some of that stuff. I mean, I mean, Starfield, like, again, like I said about Zelda, same thing. Like, there's no reason not to think it's not coming. Yes. And, if you, and you have to take it. Like, you have to go for it. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, I'm going to place my bet that this is not going to come out and not take it in the draft. Like, you can't do that. You can't, If you have a shot at getting Zelda and there's even, like, a 50% chance Zelda comes out this year, you got to do it. And the same thing with Starfield. Like, it's just, there's, it's just you know, bad luck. Um, I mean, God of War, could, same thing could happen with God of War. We don't know. But uh, I don't think so. I don't trust any game at this point, Matt. None. I, I trust Corey Barlog um, <laughs> way more than I trust Todd Howard. It was 420, Matt, whenever yeah. he made that statement. So No, nah, I don't know what uh, the deal. And also, like, you know, we may be in a position where, where Microsoft is like, maybe you would have released this in this state. And it, maybe own, it would. But, but we own you now. And now we're You may gonna... be right. I mean, but you'd think that Microsoft would have its finger on the pulse of development and not let it make a trailer with the release date in it. Well, that kind of happened before that all went down. I mean, did the, it? Before did this Microsoft... trailer come before the acquisition? They would have been working on this before that, yeah. Huh. Right there it is. 11 11 22. Well, I'm sure they'll do something. There it on, is. They'll do something on 11 11 22. Here's me flipping off the screen right now with the 11 11 22 on it. Well, they'll they'll do something on 11 big do like a big gameplay drop and uh say like no, that's what yeah, see, that was what 11 11 22. You get to see your first gameplay. Oh. But we didn't say release date. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, it sucks so bad. And what is going on over there, Matt? At Xbox. Um, you know, that's that's the nature. As, it has nothing. As Gabe Newell said uh, when asked about Half-Life 3 15 years ago, <laughs> these things take time. <laughs> I mean, there's no exclusives for Xbox this entire year. No. Is that right? Yes, I mean, I mean, that's unless, right. Unless Hellblade makes it, but we haven't seen... They haven't even shared a release date for that at all. No. What a disappointment after last year. Maybe we'll get Forza finally. 
I mean... It's not going to move the needle, but like... Well, there's rumors swirling that there is a Gears of War collection coming. And that it's going to come before the end of the year. And I, that is... I can't a, think is of... Is that supposed to be some kind of saving grace? I can't think of many things I want to do less than play all the Gears of War games again. But. Right. Like, who hasn't played all the Gears games at this point? They've been on Game Pass. Like, why, why... Is there a need for a Gears collection? You can just play them all on Game Pass. I think they're trying to... They want to do, like, a Master Chief collection sort of unified yeah, thing with it. Yeah, I get it. That's not going to move the needle. That's not no. going to save this year for Xbox. What? Vincent, Vincent, the Obsidian RPG is probably this year? You mean Avowed? Avowed? Not a chance in hell that game comes out I would be year. really shocked. Not a chance in hell. And we haven't seen it played yet. Yeah, we have nothing from that. That game is a long way We have way one off. trailer. It ain't Elder it. Scrolls a long way off, but it's 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 a ways off. Yeah, I... This... How... We're right back to the same three games we've been getting from Xbox Here forever. we are again. Maybe we'll get Forza. Halo, Halo came out and Halo's broken and we don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And Gears, we might throw more Gears at you even though you don't really care about it. And Anymore. Forza yeah. might come out if you happen to notice. Yeah. It's the same crap all over. After last year, which had a, a great year for Xbox, we gave it platform of the year for last year. And then it just falls on its face this year. Mm-hmm. It's, and look, obviously Game Pass is a band-aid for Xbox more than other platforms have. But still... Damn, dude. You don't have a single big release the entire year? That's that's inexcusable. You can't do that. You're the second year of your console. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, they're gonna. They're gonna. <laughs> there's there's, a, there's still a lot of stuff to play on it thanks to the third-party support. But, like, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Matt, there isn't a lot to play from third parties either. This year, Matt. Not right now. Matt, but... this year is shaping up to be one of the worst years of game releases in a really long time. No, we don't know what comes out in the fall yet. We do. There's nothing. Everything has, has been delayed out there, of the we're, year. We're about to go through some announcements in June. There's other stuff coming. I mean, maybe. I mean, if you're counting Not on Starfield, that. but like... I mean, we're... right now, I'm looking at like Saints Row as being one of the biggest games left for 2022. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, there's, there's more stuff in the pipeline. I don't know, man. Certainly from Nintendo. We don't know anything about Nintendo's plans back then. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo's just in full stride. Like, it's going to have software, but... You it's know. moving games up. How big of a deal is like Nintendo Switch Sports and No, but I, Nintendo's got a couple have a couple things in the in the in the barrel for uh the fall. You mean stuff that we don't know about? Yeah. I'd be surprised. I would This late in the game for Switch, I'd be really yeah, surprised. Yeah, Pokemon. I mean there's there's Pokemon coming and there's probably like another, another remake. In, yeah, but that Pokemon fans don't care. Uh there's probably another thing in there. There's another there's a, I think there's got to be one more thing in there. Splatoon 2 3 probably, I guess. That the, the that ru- is that's already confirmed. For yeah, the rumor year. was they've swapped Splatoon and uh, that's Z- coming Xenoblade. this year for sure. But that's announced. We know about it. Yeah, I think there's stuff we don't know about yet. We'll see. It's looking grim, really grim. Like just trying to do a podcast every week for the rest of the year. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, what are we gonna be talking about? Like, I don't. I looked ahead at June and it doesn't look much better than April or May. It's mm-hmm. this is a rough year and it's the second. This is generally. When consoles hit their stride, You're, the second year of a console is usually when you start becoming overloaded with exclusives. It's yeah, just but usually that doesn't happen in the middle of a pandemic. So, I mean, Redfall. I'll admit, when you drafted it, I was like, "Oh, that one's not coming out." But yeah, those are good. I mean, Redfall was a was a hail mary. I because I, I I just I figured that wasn't going to make it, but I might as well put it in there in case it did, and I got an alternate. And if it doesn't. So. I wouldn't be surprised if this game also gets delayed from next spring. Because we should have mentioned, by the way, that Bethesda is saying both games will come out early next year. 
I think this game is further out than Starfield. I agree. I agree. Although there has been like betas of this game already that mm-hmm. people have played. There's been some some small leaks coming out of that stuff. For some reason, I feel like this thing gets dumped in June or something. Maybe like it's it's a kind of a, one of those weird summer. That would be great. Releases. I would love to have a game like Redfall to play right now, <laughs> or last month, or the month before that. <laughs> but. It's just crazy. COVID. Yeah, would have been nice to be playing Forspoken right now. Yeah. It's but. just funny how initially studios, publishers were like, oh, COVID's not that big a deal. We're working from home and it took us a month or two to figure it all out. And now we're chugging. It's been way worse than they were leading on. All these games being delayed. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Ever. Usually it's one or two big games that get delayed out of the year. and People are bummed about it. This year, there's been so many, you can't even focus on one that you're supposed to be bummed out about. I'm just bummed in general. Like, I don't know, man. (laughs) What are the others other than... Zelda, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Zelda was never a guarantee. But, uh... It's only been in development for six years. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's Nintendo. (laughs) It'll be done when it's done. Yeah. Starfield, I mean, Starfield is the biggest disappointment of, of delays for me just because that's completely up my alley and where yeah. I want to see what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the same time, I, will, I can wait until it's closer to not horrible. You know, like, I was very much expecting that to come out broken, basically. Yeah, like um, most other open-world RPGs. Yeah. and there's a couple, you know, just, I mean, um, there's a bunch of, st- there's stuff that's, even the stuff that is coming out is not particularly interesting to me, like, even stuff that should be interesting, like, I cannot express to you how much I do not want to play Gotham Knights after watching that reveal video. Oh, really? That game looks like garbage. That combat looks like garbage. Yeah. It's mushy. It's... I know. And you're not even playing. You haven't even played it yet. You can just tell by looking at it. You can look. (laughs) And it's like... like, I mean, I know it's not technically an Arkham game, but are you really... Like, we've waited seven years... For a damn follow-up to one of the best little trilogies in the history of... I mean, I didn't like Arkham Knight, but, like, I'm not going to say that Arkham Knight's combat felt bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and that looks... That, you know, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't it. know how you can't get that right, or at least recognize that it's no. bad. Because we we noticed that when we saw the first gameplay of it. It was early on. You're like, oh, but there's we, a lot of time. We, right. We were like, oh, there's but, plenty of time. That thing they showed was just, no. Yeah. No. I know. No. I know, man. Mm-mm. Yeah, like I was definitely that was above Suicide Squad for me because like guys don't find the Suicide Squad I, like, like concept or the, the lineup they have very interesting. But that's Goth- another game that was delayed out of yeah. here. But Gotham Knights, like, just no, no, I, I it's not looking good unless something drastically changes between when they recorded that demo and what the thing they put out. Like that game, that game looks like it's wandering into like Avengers territory to me. What does this do to sales of Xbox, if anything at all? Probably nothing. These delays do nothing. No, I mean, there's. You think they're, that they're being outpaced? Game by, Pass can patch over that. No, I mean, I'm saying they're being outpaced by PlayStation Five, and they're fairly readily available on shelves. So it's like yeah. they're just sort of going to sit. You know, like things have kind of leveled off a little bit for the, for for Xbox sales. Yeah, PlayStation Five is still selling like you can't like you can't keep it in stock more than an hour. I mean, the easy way to check Granted, that there's fewer of them, but yeah. like as Pactor pointed out to me, the easy way to check that is just go on eBay and see how much they're going for on yeah. eBay. And all Xboxes now are going for retail, maybe twenty five bucks over retail. Yeah. And PlayStation Five are still seven, eight hundred bucks. Yeah, they're plentiful. Yeah, um, it's weird even evaluating Xbox anymore because of Game Pass. It's just very difficult to figure out how things that used to have a big impact on their business may not have an impact at all now. 
Um, it's interesting. It's a total changing of the guard, and maybe it will save Microsoft's ass because you're right, Matt. This is just a repeat of we what we went through for like nine years straight with mm-hmm. Xbox exclusives, where you're just begging for one of the three games to come out. Like, and eventually, I mean, eventually they will have a much more varied library uh, coming out from all these people they've acquired, but like, it's just not happening yet. Yeah. Let's go to uh, the chat and see what people are saying. We didn't, we haven't gone to you guys much in 300 because it's just been a kind of different kind of episode. Um, the cat game stray will be game of the year from Congrim. Hey, it's on my fantasy team. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I don't really expect stray to be out this year. Really? No, really? Cause that's well, supposed to be out like in Q1. Yeah. Really? We'll, we'll see like if, if we see more of it in the next month, like in the kind of the pseudo E3 space yeah um maybe show up on the summer games fest or something but the fact that we haven't heard a peep out of that game makes me think that something's don't say that matt at this point i've actually kind of given up so it doesn't really matter um let's see eth demon my end of the year is pokemon that pokemon remake like is are you really excited like you can't wait till the end of the year till you can play that pokemon remake like (laughs) i i don't know saints row forespoken midnight suns are those Mm -hmm. the big games for the rest of the year yeah, more or less. Mr. Starwalker, I didn't pick Breath of the Wild 2 in my draft, but picked Starfield only because it was in the trailer and was the only Microsoft game for the fall. It was literally the only game. Like, they had one job, Matt. One job. Get Starfield done. Throw 5,000 people at Starfield if you have to to get it done. And they, yeah, I don't think it really works that way. It but. Obviously not, because you'd think that they probably would have if that were the case, but apparently not. I mean, it's Bethesda. Don't ever really, don't ever respect that. You know, I'm sure Bethesda would have announced closer to release if they were allowed to. But like, you just had that thing where they, they announced Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six. How many years ago was that? When was that? When did when did Fallout seventy six come out? Mm. What was that 2017, 2018? It's, uh, eighteen, I think. Yeah. Because like you know, I mean, I believe without any doubt in my mind that they showed. Starfield and Elder Scrolls that year because they knew Fallout 76 was going to be what it was. They had to distract Maybe. you and give you something else to look forward to. And what that means is they have to kind of feed the beast every once in a while, and that's what they did with that trailer. And maybe they were pretty sure that that was going to come out. They were going to be we have it done in some form by then, but just didn't. You know, Vincent, that's development. Vincent mentioned a couple things. First, he says Stray was highlighted in an indie reel from Sony, so that's encouraging. And he also brings up something I totally forgot, is that this year's Pokemon is actually not a remake. It is Gen 9. Because the remake already came out. Yeah. That was the, what, the Alpha, not Alpha. Right. Diamond and Pearl. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, okay. Looks like you guys aren't too worried about it. You guys aren't chatting about it much, so you guys must not be too concerned about it. I know we have a lot of Xbox fans. Oh, I'm not forgetting Hogwarts Legacy. I I I'm I mean I'm going to forget about it, but I'm not. <laughs> is that that is going to come out this year? Actually, I think from what I understand, Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy are hell or high water this year. Mm-hmm. Like they need those out. because they don't know if they're going to go away. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen to that whole business before it's all said and done? So basically, I think they're clearing the decks before they sell everybody off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it might be possible or make it easier to sell. Yeah. yeah. You, you would think you would want to keep those projects unreleased to juice the deal because it's like hey if you buy us we have these two games that are just no, about ready to because, come out because if you're buying then all that means is you're on the hook for distribution right it's just like oh we got to spend more money to make these things 
distribute these things and promote these things that we didn't even have a say in making or what they are and they yeah. might not be successful and that wouldn't even be our fault yeah. no you want to clear the deck you'd also probably end up delaying the game again yeah yeah, yeah. which at this point neither neither of those games should be delayed again at this point so there you go that's the latest on xbox it's not encouraging at all but the, i mean there is a band-aid element to game pass but i'll be honest matt like i haven't use game pass that much in the last couple months it's just kind of sat there i've used it for a few indie things i played trek uh, to yomi and uh, that was bad i I installed that but didn't actually play it uh i played a couple things can't remember what now but (laughs) i haven't been using it that much i've started to question like should i cancel my subscription because as i've mentioned in prior episodes of game face i'm up against it financially so i'm starting to look at places i can tighten the belt a little bit and I that mean, is, that's, that's the only way to get your free download of Gears of War collection come this fall. <laughs> exactly. But seriously, though, I mean, to me, a big selling point of Game Pass is day one exclusives. And there aren't any. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to question whether I'm going to cancel my subscription. We'll see. And they do. They almost make it too easy to cancel and like start it again, too. Mm. I've already had my free trial where I got it for a dollar for a few months. That's not going to happen again. Like... Maybe time to cut the cord a little bit on Xbox Game Pass. We'll see. Uh, But anyway, that's the latest on Xbox and Bethesda, and none of it is good news. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Mass Effect 4. Some information leaked. Speaking of things that are a long way off. Yeah, speaking of things that may be three or four years off still. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a leak came out this week suggesting that Shepard is going to return for Mass Effect 4. How do you feel about that, Matt? I don't think there's anything more predictable imaginable really yeah because i thought the whole thing with this was that they were gonna move on well no the, the all one of the only things we know concretely about this game is that liara is looking for Shepard, and liara doesn't go on wild goose chases too often so yeah. if she's looking for Shepard, there's a reason for it yeah and it sounds like the destroy ending of mass effect 3 is going to be canon where it's shown that Ma- that Shepard is still alive mm. are you excited for this no. Are you glad? Are you? Did you want them to turn the page and start new? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like at least this one has the characters and all the, is in the galaxy. You know, like the problem with Andromeda was it shouldn't have been a Mass Effect game. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. It just didn't I agree with that. It didn't use the universe. It didn't use the characters. It didn't have any. It and was, I believe the game would have been well much better received. Yeah, I think if it were not a Mass Effect it, game, it might be a new IP they could use now. Right. If it was something, <laughs> just call it Andromeda and have all new yeah. things, yeah. and like you, then you're not being compared to Mass Effect all the time. Yep. Yeah, that crushed it. Being a Mass terrible, Effect game. terrible choice. Yeah, because um, I actually enjoyed playing that game, but did I enjoy it as a Mass Effect no. game? No, I did not. I mean, Shepard is obviously not going to be who you're playing. He's not going to, you know, Shepard is going to be out there somewhere. Shepard's the MacGuffin, basically. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be looking for Shepard, but that's not going to be what, what the story's about. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously for financial reasons. I mean, look, we got the the legendary collection of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Uh, that's the definitive version of those games. That's all I care about. Like, anything else. Like, if they happen to make a good 4 awesome if not i don't care like how they, confident are you that mass effect 4 is going to be a good game zero like i don't have any confidence in anything ea does anymore i mean i wouldn't so. go zero but i'd put it at like 30 percent, maybe like, <laughs> like i don't even know if this game gets made really yeah, you think it may just get canned if dragon age 4 doesn't hit big and that's definitely coming before that and that's yeah. still a year or more we still away, see gameplay least. of that 
Um, they're saying twenty summer twenty twenty three at the absolute most optimistic for that. I would guess. I would guess Q four twenty twenty three. If we're good, lucky, probably more like Q one twenty twenty four. Really? Um, They've been working on that one for a long time already. I think they've probably torn it down and put built it back up three or four times by now. Yeah. Because um, that game's got to that game's got to sell like that. If that if Dragon Age is a bomb um or whatever bioware's in deep BioWare's, yeah i don't know if bioware survives long enough to finish mass effect 4 because it is ea let's not forget ea is not afraid to close no. down studios As a matter of fact ea has been most patient with bioware's continued existence of almost any other acquisition that's a good point had. it's out of the ordinary by now ea would have completely killed bioware i think yeah. it knows though if when it does that and i hate to say if and say when but when it does that people are going to freak out even if well, also like if they do that what do they have? I know. They got Respawn and Madden and FIFA and not even FIFA anymore. They yeah. got EA Football Club or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yep. And Battlefield. Which and that's is, it. And Battlefield's in the trash bin right now. Yeah. I don't EA know. EA doesn't have... You want to talk about... You know, EA's Microsoft level barren. It is. In terms of like stuff to put out. Yep. It's incredible. It is incredible. If they didn't have Respawn, they would be three franchises. Well, yeah. If they didn't have... Apex Legends bringing in a billion dollars yeah. a year, they'd be screwed. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking screwed. forward to stuff Respawn makes. Yeah, and and other I than will, that, I will tentatively keep an eye on Dragon Age and Mass Effect. But like, do I do I have any expectations of those? No, of course not. I mean, the people who made Bioware an amazing game developer back in the day don't work there anymore for the most part. Yeah. You know, and and I'm sure everybody's doing their absolute best, but you can only do so much with what EA gives you. It's just to me, Matt. It's just really astonishing just how, in general, so fewer games are being released. In general, like there's just well, that's what happens when they cost two hundred million dollars. It's crazy. Is that the right direction to go? I mean, it's the only direction to go with the myth of infinite growth. Like, that's what the thing is. Like, everything's got to be bigger. Everything's got to sell more than last time. Everything's got to be better than last time. You can't just settle like, this is how much money we make every year. This is our revenue. This is our profit off of, off of you know, on top of our operating costs. That's how much money this company makes every year. Yeah. And no one can be satisfied with that. Everything has to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You can't just settle and be like, this is what we do. This is how much money we're worth. This is how much money we make every year. And this is how much money we make our stockholders every year. Like, no one's happy with that. Yeah. Like, you have to, everything has to infinitely grow, and that's unsustainable. It is and unsustainable. And everybody's running into that right now, especially as you're wandering into the, you know, the HD era made the cost of that even worse. And now you're hitting a point where it's like, yeah, like, if you expect Dragon Age 4 to sell 15 million copies, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Like, it might, if it's, like, one of the greatest RPGs ever, ever. made. Is it <laughs> yeah. going to be one of the great? Probably not. Yeah. Like, Because like, many have tried. Many have failed. No. like Most have tried. Most have failed. Like, you're not going to. And even the thing, that's the other thing is, like, people, you know, especially, like, EA, I'm sure, is like, well, I mean, Bioware makes some of the greatest RPGs ever. Like, yeah, Baldur's Gate 2 is a great RPG. Would Baldur's Gate 2 sell <laughs> 15 million copies now? No. no. This stuff is temporal. Yeah. Baldur's Gate 2 would barely be an indie game by today's standards. You're right. Yep. Like, you, like, What's the end game here, Matt? What's going to happen? I mean, Bioware closes. I mean, just not Bioware. I'm saying that the industry in general, it just doesn't feel like this is sustainable at all. Do you think the big publishers start releasing smaller, cheaper games eventually? No, I think the big publishers, you know, serve the stockholders to the point that they drive their own companies into the ground, get acquired by the bigger hardware manufacturers that do not have the the uh the 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 tenuous hold on revenue that they do 
and other companies grow to fill those you know AAA niches and maybe have smarter people who are running the show this time because part of the pro- you know part of the problem is that you've got people calling these shots especially from the financial angle that like don't understand how games work they yeah. don't understand how the market works they don't understand the, all they see is numbers they just want the number you know it's it's that NFT thing line goes up right yeah. and look how that worked out <laughs> yep yeah it's and and game manuals bringing up a good point. It's like games is a service for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like that's where it's all headed. Where every game is going to become this ongoing, yeah. living thing. But even going to try to be. But even that is something where you're just you know you're still constantly outputting cash to keep these things alive and moving and and developed. And there's going to be a lot of casualties from that too because you know we've seen what happens when a game as a service doesn't catch on. Yeah. And when a company is not willing to put the effort in to wait for it to catch on, you just pull the plug after they three. crash and burn fast. Look what happened to Anthem. Yep. The other thing too about these games as a service is like they don't have legs. If you shut them down, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to play. Yeah. It's like an all or nothing bet that you're making, and they're very expensive to make, and they take a long time to make. And it's not like you can lower the cost of them and make your money back. In most cases, it doesn't work that way. Now you're constantly laying out more money to keep yeah. it keep people engaged and yeah. unless you have a critical mass of engagement already it's not sustainable either yeah you're throwing good money after bad that's then, if you're but, dumb then, but then you're gonna see <laughs> if you're sure, smart you just can it but i bet you when we see you know fallen order 2 which i which i think the title of that leaked yeah uh just jedi something jedi yeah. <laughs> jedi fugitive or something i don't know um it's hard to remember like all the different subtitles for star wars games yeah. at this point because they all have jedi in them some way they're just like they're just rearranging the the chairs on the Titanic at this point for well, the title. Uh, but like you know, that's probably going to come out and sell 10 million, 10 million copies. Yeah, like, that should be good enough. Yeah, for anybody, you know, you could you could be putting out really high quality single player adventure stuff like that and be making that kind of money um, regularly every three years, every four yeah, years. But if you get all your guys working together on these things, and like you get you them can, staggered. You better you stagger them. If, you know, just what, what Microsoft's presumably trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a good good flow there. Yeah, and uh, but they everything has to be the biggest thing ever. You know, everything. Yeah. You know, everything. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, and and then you hit the point where, as long as you hit those number targets, it doesn't matter whether the game was any good, right? right? And then that leads to the next one selling lower because people don't trust it anymore, and then all the all the executives are like, "Well, what happened?" It's like, "Well, what happened happened through four years ago." Yeah, you blew all their trust, but, but you don't understand that. Yep. Yeah, it's not going to a good place. I don't think, Matt. Probably not. I just... I mean, that's sort of all around, though. I mean, yeah. you see that with almost every movie studio too, except for uh, Disney. Yeah. Um. You know, the Warner Brothers is not doing great either. They don't have a lot going on. You're looking at Sony, who's one of the reasons Sony is is, is constantly pumping out in, like Spider-Man villain movies. Nobody cares about is because the only thing they got. Yeah. You know, they basically. What I mean, what else do they have? They they like, share custody of Bond. Right. Like, Although I would argue that those villain Spider-Man movies do okay financially. I mean, Venom did. Yeah. Morbius didn't. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, and then you, now you got Craven coming up. I don't know if anybody cares Who about Craven cares? and Madam Web. Madam Web is like at some point you have to stop. <laughs> you that's have pathetic. to stop doing that. Yep. Uh, Vincent says Jedi Survivor. That's the Jedi title Survivor, of right. the new Fallen Fallen Order Two. Jedi Survivor. Yep. So anyway, there Better you go. Made an outcast. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy how our discussion of Shepard being in Mass Effect 4 spun off into this other discussion, mm-hmm. but um, that's how Game Face works um, when we're sitting here kind of 
trying to sort through things and figure out what the bigger picture is. Mean, as long is. as we're talking about like weird expectations for things, yeah. like it's just, you know, like the infinite growth myth is going to sink a lot of these companies because the stockholders and the people running these companies don't seem to understand that it is, in fact, a myth. Imagine running Apple. Mm-hmm. where you have that expectation and you already are just generating this amount of money that people can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. And if you come out and you have a financial report where you will only like increase it by 25%, yeah. you watch everyone sells your stock. Or it's, it's like, oh yeah, our, our, your revenue is down 1.4%. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no. It's like, bail, sell all my stock. We're stocks. still making $300 million. <laughs> like, it's like, I know. It's bizarre, man. But a lot of it is stock, stockholders. It drives a lot of this yeah. stuff, unfortunately. Um, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something we've talked about before. And when we talk about it, we always assume maybe we wouldn't have to talk about it again. And here we are again. Um, once again, certain segments of the media are blaming video games for a mass shooting. There was a horrific mass shooting in Buffalo in the last few days. Uh, where a guy drove a couple hundred miles into a neighborhood um, full of people of color and went into the supermarket and just started shooting people. Killed 10 people, I believe, was yep. last count. Three wounded, um, including shot the security guard mm-hmm. who was in the store because the perpetrator had body armor on. And the security guard shot him. It bounced off of his body armor, and then he killed the security guard. And certain- It was a retired cop. And it was a retired cop. Exactly. And it had only done that because he'd become bored. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awful. Some of the stories of the people who were killed, like there was one woman who had been running like a soup kitchen mm-hmm. for like 25 years for, for to feed her neighbor. Like, Yeah, they were all, it seemed like they were all really good people. Yeah. and Like all the stories I've read about them were just like, oh my. I- it's just terrible. It's terrible. And so this is bad enough. But here come certain segments of the media who, and let's be honest, a lot of the the media outlets that are doing this are the ones who also are very pro-gun, pro-Second mm. Amendment, NRA, whatever. And now they're blaming video games on the violence. And Matt, I will say one thing that at least made me think. And I actually saw, I can't remember where I saw someone mention this, is that the shooter live-streamed on mm. Twitch the shooting. Mm. And I did see someone say, and I kind of agree with this, is that he had put the camera on his gun. And if you watch the footage of that, if you're someone who doesn't play a lot of games and isn't tech savvy, it is kind of hard to tell the difference between the live stream of him actually shooting people and watching someone play a first-person shooter. Because right, I mean, Well, you put the camera behind the gun like that, that's what it's going to look like. Right. Um, Usually when you're playing a video game, though, the gun doesn't have a bunch of Nazi shit written on it. Right, right. Well, unless you're playing... Call of Duty game set in World War II. <laughs> well, usually they, they don't have slogans. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, there wasn't a lot of ambiguity as to why he did this. I don't think oh, no. Doom had anything to do with no, it. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's asinine that they're blaming it on games. But my point, the point that I was getting at is I can see how these news outlets could convince people, like my mom or whatever, right. watching it to be like, Damn, like, yeah, I can't tell the difference between the real shooting and the video games. And I could see where, and my mom it doesn't feel this way, by the way. I just want to say that. If she's watching this stream, she might be since it's 300. She doesn't feel that way. She understands that, you know, game violence and movie violence doesn't lead to violence in the real world. I'm just using her as an example, as someone who's older and retired. And may look at the footage side by side and say, yeah, like. And watches those channels. Yeah, older folks generally. 
and may say, I can't see the difference. And then they make that jump of logic of, well, then, yeah, I could see where this would desensitize people to this stuff and make this kid think that it's just he's just playing a video game while he's doing it. Again, all absurdity, absurdities. But I can see where this angle now as games have become be, have looked more and more realistic where that line is harder for uneducated people to draw anymore. How do you feel about this? I don't care. Um, it doesn't matter. There's, there is a video game connection on this, but it's not that the footage looks like a video game. The connection is that if a kid is playing online games, they are inevitably being exposed to white supremacist propaganda and grooming. Mm. That is the video game connection. Interesting. I mean, that's true of almost any online space that you're going to end up, but it's especially true of video game stuff. Um, you see it in all the lobbies. You see it in almost every kind of online game like that. Uh, it's it's near constant. It's like everything has become Baron's chat for neo-Nazis. Um, so I guarantee you, if you have a kid who's playing online games, they have been exposed to this sort of thing, this sort of rhetoric. Um, and that's where it starts. And then they end up on 4chan, they end up on you know, all that stuff. And that's how you end up uh, live streaming yourself, holding a gun with the N-word written on it while you shoot people in a supermarket. Um, and leave this giant manifesto, which quotes all the worst like extremist right-wing QAnon stuff you could possibly imagine. Um, so yeah, the video games are a pretty minor factor in terms of being video games, but they are a vector to hearing this stuff for the first time. And that is how you get someone who's radicalized as a, as a teenager. Because um, they're very good at that. Like there's, you know, they're, they're, It's a portal. It's a gateway into finding more of this stuff, basically. Uh, it has nothing to do with whether it looked like a first-person shooter. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's a red herring. But like almost every, you know, almost every right-wing explanation for this stuff uh, that avoids the gun issue is a red herring to begin with. So mm -hmm. it's just another, it's just another arrow in the quiver of nonsense and disinformation. And it's obviously it's not going to affect anything. As far as the video game industry goes, like no one, no one, no, no serious people take that idea seriously. What can we do to stop the radicalization of young people through video games? What can can be done, if anything? I mean, the only real expo real solution is um, cracking down on the ability to communicate and and you know talk to these kids like that i mean you, you have to moderate your your chat and your stuff incredibly hard and a lot of that is you know arguably impossible better parenting is it going better back to yeah, better i mean it's what, I mean, it what does it go back goes to, know, back to yeah, it does end. go back to know what your kids are playing know what they're talking about know what they're hearing um you know talk to them about things like you know don't confront them but like you know kind of be i'm not a parent so what am i talking about but like, don't yeah. confront them don't be like just be like oh I, I saw on the news this thing said this thing about you know the 14 words or whatever and like what do you think about that and if your kid says that he thinks that that sounds pretty cool to him you might want to sit down and have a chat yeah because he's been talking to some people online, I guarantee it. Well, in the case of this shooter, of course, the parents were like, oh, I have no idea. But if you, everyone else who talked about the guy was They like, all knew. I mean. They knew he was Well, creep. I mean, even the, yeah. even the cops were lying about, you know, knowing, you know, oh, unknown to law enforcement. But they'd investigated him in June last year for threatening to kill classmates. Is that what it was? That was one he of He had the, threatened to kill classmates? He had talked about shooting classmates. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they investigated him for that. Like, it's, but it's all, you know, he was, he was. 
actively armed and had just murdered 10 people and the cops just walked up and talked to him. And they put their I, I noticed that his, when they went to the, like, they put his their hand on his back. Yeah. It's like, "Oh my god." Cuz they weren't afraid of him. Right. That's why. Right. That really struck difference. me watching how they handled that guy. Mm-hmm. I was like aghast. I was that, like that kid had been five shades darker. He wouldn't have been there. He'd have been probably well, he wouldn't have been there, and, but he'd have been dead. Yeah, and and the yeah the cops would have just shot him. Fire. Yeah, I I fully believe that. It was disgusting watching how they treated him. Mm-hmm. It, was, it reminded me. I can't remember the name of the guy. Was it Dylan Roof? Who they took to McDonald's? Took, took to get, yeah. get a hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a case though where it just comes back to just parenting, mm-hmm. because it's there. Like if you go in his room and you look at his writings, he wrote this manifesto for months. Right. Well, also, if I you're mean, a parent and well, you're it also engaged, brings up, brings up the connect the question: Do the parents disagree with him? Right. Or is he getting it from the parents? Yeah. Right. That's another problem. But he seemed to come from an affluent family, which doesn't... A lot of affluent families are like... You remember the, the weirdos holding their guns on the protesters in oh, the right. gated community? I mean, that, this is not like a bunch of... you know Everyone thinks about a bunch of trailer park y'all stuff. Like, a lot of this is, is upper, upper, upper class stuff. A lot of this is, is elitism. It's like Get Out. The movie Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely That movie's there. freaked me out, by the way. It's, Jordan, it's one of those movies that Jordan I've Peele makes such good horror because the horror is real shit. I mean, it is. I can't wait for Nope. That, nope looks so good. It does. But Get Out has like has shook me. Like yeah. it's something that has stuck with me for a really long I, time. I think he wanted it to shake you. I, mean, I think it shook him. Yeah. Like, like he's writing about some real stuff in that. From you know that, yeah. that that you can tell that movie comes from the heart, or you know, or the guts, or whatever you want to term it. Do we um, bear some responsibility? He's exercising some demons in yeah. that film, and it shows, and it you can feel it. Yeah, I feel that way with my own family sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some of my right-leaning family members, I feel like I'm in the movie Get Out. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have any of those, <laughs> but uh, I guess there are a couple, but we don't don't talk to them anymore. It's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I literally feel like I'm in, the, and I don't know if that's offensive. To African Americans, which obviously that movie is a, it's about. Yeah. But I feel at least a shade of what they're trying to portray in that movie, dealing with some of my right wing relatives. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see it from there if you're standing in the yeah. Game that's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think Get Out uh, is very much about racism, but also it wouldn't have been the the widespread hit it was if it didn't resonate in a in a universal way too yeah i mean that's the genius of it is is you know it's 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 about a specific thing but it's also about a thing everybody's felt yeah at some point yeah that's 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 great art is the gaming industry culpable at all for any of this does it does it have a mean like a does it need to start doing some of the things you were talking about i think it does need to start by paying more yeah i think they do pay attention to what happens in chat and like but again a lot of times the damage is done like you can't do anything if like some guy was spamming a bunch of like you know recruitment nazi shit and a couple kids give them their contact info and like now they can just talk to them like there's you know maybe they got that through whatever game they were playing but that's out of the game developers hands at this point mm-hmm. you know um and there's th- that is a conduit that you can't really control tremendously well it does really come down to monitoring what your kids are doing uh more than anything else um one could argue that you could maybe just get rid of chat in video games but that's probably a non-realistic uh, i mean i would argue idea. matt that the chat voice chat has diminished 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was in yeah. its heyday in the Xbox 360. You don't era. go into a, a game anymore and just hear like chatter everywhere no, anymore. No, people it's don't all, voice chat. Either anymore. people are in their own little groups or everybody's just doing yeah text. And I'll be and I'll be honest. Like I play a lot of competitive games, and there's a lot of games that I play where I'm like I need voice chat like i need you guys to talk and help me like and we need to coordinate and form team tactics and but nobody does it anymore it's just Mm -hmm. gone away um and i don't know why that is why is that actually um because even playstation 4 came with a headset packed in it's just too much of a pain yeah like i hate having to set that seven hope it works and then it doesn't it disconnects me into the yeah like it's just not worth like the time that was worth it was like when the xbox 360 just worked yeah, it just worked. Yeah, you just plugged it in. And you it plugged worked. it in. You yeah. joined the group. It never. It was fine. It yeah. just worked. Or like you know, I mean, Discord. It, you know, why is Discord so popular? Because it just works. But like Discord, you kind of already got to know people. You're already in a community right. there. Right. You know, yeah. in terms of just joining a group with a bunch of strangers, that's really fallen out of favor. I, I do think at the end of the day, it's still parenting because if a five year old, six year old, seven year old, whatever kid is being exposed to racist language in chat during a game. Mm-hmm. that's not the kid's fault <laughs> no that's the parent's fault the parent is allowing their kid to play this game where they're chatting with other people like i have a sister and a nephew with a nephew and he's a big Fortnite player and he's constantly just like arguing with people and like i admit i've mentioned him actually in the last episode we did about how his grades are falling and the school thinks it's all because of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. and I, I actually after the show i talked to my sister and i'm like what's going on and she's like, really, the problem is the chat, that he gets really angry with the people because the people who are chatting with him are telling him he's terrible at the game and blah, blah, blah. He's like seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, your emotions are so... You're not in control of him at that age. And the bigger problem... You're probably for not him, in control of your emotions if you're telling a seven-year-old they suck at a video game either. Exactly. So. Um, but I told her, I'm like, then don't let him play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that simple. It's your job. It's Because she... I could tell she's starting to take the angle of, like, you work in this industry, and look at what your industry is doing to my son. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is your no. job. Are you, are you, if, like, if your kid plays baseball and is having a horrible time because the other players are making fun of him or, like, the coach is yelling at him, are you going to go complain to the MLB? Yeah. Like, that's not yeah. what happens. There, You, you got to deal with what you got to know your kid. You're going to go you gotta, pick at the Louisville Slugger Company? Yeah, you got to talk to the kids. <laughs> you got yeah. to know what they're doing. You got to know what they're into. Like, even if it feels like you're prying, you know, and it certainly felt like I was being pried into when I was a teenager and stuff. But in the, you know, in retrospect, like that's something you need to do. You got to know you're, mm-hmm. you don't have autonomy yet. Yeah. You're, you're a kid. Yeah. And, and as a parent, you got to know what they're into and know what they're, I mean, at a certain point, you should probably notice if they're collecting that many guns. Right. You know, yeah. uh, or, or like really want tactical gear for Christmas. Like, you or know. if they've been working on this piece of writing for the last like mm. two years or whatever. And it's like, you've never read it and he's never talked to you about it. Yeah. It's like, there are flags if you want to see them. Yeah. Monitor their online behavior. You have monitor. to want to see them. Yeah, monitor, you know, set up stuff that basically spies on them. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't have autonomy in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and usually I think most kids are not going to do anything yeah, horrible. True. You know, this yep. is a, th- there's a reason. All this it is takes a- is one. Yeah. That's all it takes, as we just saw. And again. One person, one assault right. rifle. And again, it all, That's com- all it takes. comes down to, like, I don't care what he was playing, uh, this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm sure tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of other people play the same games he was playing and none of them did this. Right. Yeah. If this is what caused that, this would happen more often from people from that walk of life and that vein of interest. 
and it doesn't any more than it does with anyone else. Yeah. You know, like there's no constant trend of everybody who shoots up a supermarket or, or shoots up a school plays video games beyond the fact that almost everybody plays video games. Yeah. The unique part is that they killed people. Everyone's just looking for someone to blame that's not them or connected to them. Everybody's looking for something to blame that does not involve work, guns, or guns, passing yeah. gun law. Like, right. You know, as yeah. the Onion says every time, nothing to be done about this says only nation where this happens regularly. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen in Australia. It anywhere. doesn't happen in Britain. Yeah. It doesn't happen anywhere yeah. except here. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're different, but maybe the difference is the thing that's actually different, which is that everybody can get their hands on guns. I could go out right now and buy AR-15s easier than I could get a case of baby formula. I know. But easier than you can get Sudafed. Yeah. <laughs> and, look, I, I, here's the thing. Like, I grew up with guns. I grew up in a rural area where, literally, there were some years where we hunted for our food. Like, and we needed to hunt to have steak to eat for the rest of the year or whatever. Otherwise, my parents would never buy it. So... I don't hate guns, but you do not need an assault rifle. You need a hunting rifle, a bolt-action rifle, where you put one bullet in at a time, and when it fires, you pop it out and put another one in. You need a shotgun, and you need maybe a handgun for protection at home. And and that's a six-shot handgun. Really, probably shotguns are better for home defense anyway. It probably is. And that's it. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. all you need. Even my friends who are crazy gun nuts, if I ask them, I'm like... Why do you need an AR-15? And they'll tell me. I don't need it. I want it. It's fun. It's a toy. It's fun. It's a toy. Yeah. It's like they're not toys. No. And I'll tell you, like, if 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 somehow in some weird dream world, uh, Transformers were responsible for murdering hundreds of thousands of Americans... You get rid years. of that whole room. Of I would get rid of that whole room. Yeah. I would like. Yeah. I would e- gladly turn in my transformers to the police and say, "Get them out." A lot of it I- comes down to a conscience. Do you have yeah. a conscience? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a very long streak of "fuck you, got mine" in American culture that I don't know if we can ever overcome. Yeah. Yep. Um. I would love to go to chat because this is an interesting topic and you guys are talking about it. And it does appear that the vast majority of you guys agree with us. Um, but we're out of time. We're running out of time. We still have, still have one more topic. And I do hate to brush it off because this is a it's important mm-hmm. and people are passionate oh, it, about it. It'll come back in the comments, I'm sure. Well, what do you mean? When you put the Oh, the archive, up. you mean? Yeah. yeah. We'll have a chance to discuss it there. But, but anyway, all right, we, we do have to move on. I have a lot of great takes from people with basic on their uh <laughs> touche um all right here we are the last topic of game face episode 300 and what a journey this actual episode mm-hmm. <laughs> has been there's never been another episode like this one yes. that's for sure 300 this is sifted <laughs> yeah exactly um and this is we're going to talk about the game that matt played this week and it is Ayudin chronicles rising which is a rising. 2d action rpg mm-hmm. that is a I don't even know, honestly, the, tr- the truth about this. It's, I don't think it's a prequel. Yeah, I think it it's, is. It is a prequel. It's a prequel side story thing, and some of the characters in this game are going to carry over into the final game. Which is just Ayudin Chronicles, yeah. right? Okay. And I, I think like how much you build up the town in this is going to determine what the town is like in the game. Oh, like they're going to tie there's together. A, there's an import save thing. Oh, yeah. that's cool. With the caveat that you can only import on the same platform. So like... 
if you have a PS, I think if you, or, or I think you can up, upload. Like if you think if you play the PS4 Rising and you play the PS5 Final Game, you can upload the save to the PS5 version. But I think you can't go from PS5 to PS4. Okay, like stuff like that. That's still cool though. But anyway, that's a yeah. cool idea. Like what you do in this will will affect some things. Um, I, I assume any character in this that has a big portrait that you get is right. going to be in because that was always the thing in Suikoden was if they had a portrait. They were part of the. They were one of the hundred eight stars that you could recruit. Yeah. So I assume that's what's going to happen here too. The character design sort of gives it away. It's like, oh, that's an interesting looking character. I'm sure they are someone in the final game. Now this game is on Game Pass. Yeah. How much is it selling for outright? Do you know? Uh, I want to say it's fifteen. Okay. Um, which is about right. How do you feel about it? I really like it. Um, I'll say this: I had to play a lot more of this than I really wanted to to get decent B roll. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a slow burn because there's just a lot of talking, a lot of talking, and I was and like, a lot I can't like, show twenty minutes of B roll of just text bubbles and a lot of going back to the same places uh-huh. and a lot of the same st- yeah yeah. Um, but I still didn't play that much. Like yeah, I I spent like a couple hours getting the B roll, but I felt like I really only played like seven or eight minutes of like combat. Yeah, I played. Um, I'm probably around 10, 11 hours at this point. Yeah, and I feel like I'm maybe two thirds. Okay, done. Uh huh. Um. Like, if you just were able to burn through the story, like, like a linear thing, I think this game's about four hours. Uh-huh. But you have to do... There's some grinding. There's a lot of side quest stuff. I will admit that the the pacing of it, in, if you just look at how the story is told, is real slow. Because there's a lot of back and forth stuff going, you know, oh, we got to do this. Well, I need this thing first. Okay, go back here and get the... I'll bring it back. Okay, that's cool. I got to do that. Now, uh, I'll do that. But then you got to talk to this person because they need a thing that I... They're going to do a thing that I need this for that. And they get to talk to go, go get more ore. Okay. So there's a lot of that. But if you, you could probably burn through the actual story if you didn't have to do all the all the fetch questing pretty fast. But mm-hmm. there is the fetch... The, the brilliance of this game is like... It's one of those games where they throw a lot of side quests at you. And then you just happen to complete them all as you play. Oh, good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you, I, I, you can just accidentally. Like you can load up with like five or six side quests before you go do the next main quest phase. But like, you're gonna accidentally complete like all those side quests doing that main quest. Oh, okay, section, I know? like that. Just because you're gathering resources all the time, uh-huh. and constantly picking up stuff from enemies and like killing various enemies and like. Um, like, so, so very, very rarely did I ever have to go out of my way to go complete a side quest unless, and even when they give you something in an older area, there's usually like four other things to do there. And you're, because this is sort of, it does take some cues from Metroid where you get like new abilities that open up new areas. The map too, it looks, is like Metroid. You have to, um, like, so there's always a, tends to be a reason to go back to old areas to open up new passageways and stuff. Uh, and that's fun, and because like that, you know, it's like, oh, how come I haven't gotten this item before? It's like, oh, because you didn't go in that area of that area because you of that map because you couldn't break couldn't this do it yet. wall down yet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically, what it is is, um, so you are CJ, which I think is a funny name for a character in a fantasy <laughs> RPG. Um. So CJ is a treasure hunter. She comes from a village, uh, where uh, when you turn fifteen, uh, you get kicked out of the village. Because you have to go on your quest to prove yourself and come back with a better treasure than your parents found. And her dad found this giant rune lens when he was her age. A rune lens is basically like um, like a magic lens that focuses magic power. And so she basically has to find a rune lens bigger than the one her dad found. And she thinks she can find it in this 
the in the the area surrounding this town, uh, which is New New Neve or something like that. You know, it's, it's spelled very fantasy. What I don't know how you pronounce <laughs> it. N-I-V-A-E-A-E. It's like N E V E A H or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. That's um, funny. But she gets there, and it's kind of it's kind of like a gold rush going on because there was an earthquake, and it opened up these mines with all these like rune things, and or so there's sort of, sort of a lot of outsiders coming to like you know strike it rich and stuff, uh-huh. and she ends up um, getting there and helping some people out, and she meets the acting mayor who turns out to be like a 15 year old girl because it's anime, <laughs> and um, there you can see there like eventually you'll be able to break that wall down. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, it turns out that like one of the way you can either buy a pass to go in the mines for a hundred thousand dollars, or you can go around and get stamps on a card to uh, prove like, from everybody. Everybody in town has a stamp, a rubber stamp, and they can stamp your card if you help them. And if you have enough stamps, it proves that you're a, hel- a helpful and worthwhile member of the community or something, basically. So that you can see that in the in the action scenes, you'll see a thing up in the top middle of the screen that has a bunch of blank spaces. Those that's your stamp card. Um, and so every time you complete a quest, side quest or main quest, whatever, you get a stamp. And as you every ten stamps, you get to turn those in for like resources that are hard to find otherwise. Um, and you, you, I think it's something like 140 stamps oh, in the geez. game or something. Like it's a lot. Because uh, the first time you're like, oh, you just need to fill this up. That's cool. Oh, silver. Oh, silver. Okay, now I'm gold. Okay, that's a lot more. And then like gold's not the end either. Like mm. there's, a, there's a lot going on. Um, so, uh, as you can see, it's just a side-scrolling action game. Uh, you do get two other characters, eventually. Um, you, get a, you get a kangaroo man who can store anything in his pouch, which is weird because <laughs> male kangaroos weird. don't have pouches. Because <laughs> he's a kangaroo man. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but he's like a badass mercenary with a giant sword, and he can knock things down and like you know, fight through enemies' blocks and stuff. And then eventually the the um, the mayor girl joins you because she was born with magic power, which is very very rare. Normally you need to use rune lenses and learn magic, but she was born with it, so she joins you as a magic character. And you the way it works is you can switch between them at any time. So CJ's attacks are I'm playing this on PS5. So CJ's attacks are on the square button. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you hit the triangle button, you'll switch to the kangaroo guy and keep pressing triangle and he'll attack that way. Okay. And then if you hit circle. Uh, the mayor girl, the magic girl joins in and, and fires like magic powers. Stuff. And the, the mechanic for that's kind of cool. It creates like almost this shadow version. Yeah. Well, that you can switch anytime, but then you can you can do the link system where if you if you hit the button to another character in the middle of a combo, they'll join in and do like a little like an like extra super combo thing, yeah. and then you can chain that. So you can change that. I think chain that up to three times. And that's usually enough to kill just about anything. Like, yeah, I can, found the combat in this to be surprisingly good. Yeah, it's fun. Like, yeah. there's a lot of, and like, eventually you unlock as you upgrade, you know, gathering all the resources as you might expect. You can then upgrade your weapons and armor and abilities and stuff. And um, eventually, you get like up, you know, upward and downward attacks and you know, longer combos. And like, you can juggle stuff forever. Like, mm-hmm. you can, and like, especially if you master switching between characters and like knowing when you can switch back and do like some up. Ju- I mean, you can. You can do some crazy combos in this game. Like, there's fighting game level stuff in this. Yeah. Once, once all your abilities are unlocked, um, and other, like upgrading armor tends to give you more traversal abilities, so you can use those to like get hard to reach places or like get out of the way of things. Like, there's a lot in here. Like, it's 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 this is an easy game. Like, this is I, at no yeah, point I have I ever felt particularly challenged by anything. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And What's up with the town building? What what per other than 
you know, your save that carries over mm. to the real game next year or whatever, whenever it comes out. Um, what other purpose does a town building well, serve? The more you upgrade everything, the more stuff they sell. And, like, okay. the more upgrades you can get. So, like, you're, oh, you can okay. only upgrade stuff to a certain level until you, like, upgrade the smithy some more. And now, okay. you, now you can have access to the next four upgrades to your weapon or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, also, that's Suikoden. Like, Suikoden is. is always about building a home base. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's in line with that, uh, right down to the level up thing that pops up every time you upgrade a building. <laughs> um, so, that's that's very satisfying. Yeah. Too. I like that a lot. Um and it's very generous with fast travel. You can fast travel anywhere in a dungeon from the beginning. This is where you get back to the beginning of the dungeon. You dump off all your resources you've collected. You can only carry a certain number of resources depending on the size of your resource bag. I think you start with 50, and then that'll fill up pretty fast. And if you you can't pick anything else up unless you drop something or go back to the beginning and deposit it in your, in your storeroom, basically, um, which is automatic. But eventually you can upgrade. Like right now, I think I can carry 300. So okay. it's like, so upgrading the resource bags is Mas big deal. Big yeah. deal. Like, like weapons and resource bags. Those are all gated by when the side quest to upgrade those buildings, you know, becomes available, which is all tied to the main quest. Yeah. Um, so it is pretty linear, um, and you'll see... The level it, design's not linear, though. No, the level design's all over the place, and you'll see... It's pretty cool how a lot of them, like, the stuff connects back up to itself once you open more areas, and there's some... A lot like Metroid yeah. in that way. Yeah. And uh, so that's a lot. So I enjoy that a lot. The mo you know, It really feels good to play. Like it's, I agree. It's, like, yeah. I'm like, I really wasn't expecting a whole lot out of this. I was pleasantly surprised and by yeah, it. I, I had no interest in playing it, and then I started playing it, and I was like, this ain't bad. Yeah, it's fun. And I, I mean, I, I quickly settled I, I played it for a while with the sound on, because I do think the music's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while, especially because there's no dialogue, voice dialogue, really, uh, I think outside of some of the like earlier scenes... That I remember, um, I just started putting on podcasts and playing this like with the music low, and yeah. like um, it's a lot of fun. Like you know, a little mindless, like gathering, you know, going on grind runs to pick up stuff and stuff. But I enjoy, you know, as you as you upgrade your your gathering equipment, like the things that you've been knocking over to get resources forever will start giving you new resources. So there's a reason to go back through things and like do things again. And that's what a lot of the side quests are there to make you go back to these old areas and realize like, oh, I can get this item from these trees now or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool. Congrim is asking, uh, how is the audio? Does it have a, the Suikoden OST vibes? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, I, if you just put this in my hands, I would I would definitely guess that people who were involved in Suikoden had a hand in this. For do you sure. think? Do you think it's weird that they made this game when there's this other game that everyone's really waiting for? Like, I don't. I mean, this is sort of like what Bloodstain did too. Yeah. Huh? Like I don't know what the logic is on that. I don't either. Why do they do this? I don't know. Like a lot, I mean, I've. I mean, I backed the main game. I did not back like you had to put an. But extra, you got this free, right? No, because you had to put an extra seven bucks in to oh. get this, and I never did because I didn't trust it. Maybe it's um, because it's a new team. They're like, let's build something small first. Maybe like to I figure out how we're going to build like, the this bigger is, game. This is a question that a lot of the backers have been asking, and even the people, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is fun. There has been a problem where the Yeti, which is a a company that like does fulfillment stuff for kicks, like they didn't get a ton of people their codes for this. Oh, and it might be like there there there's people that are saying like it might be months or next year before some of these people get. And otherwise, they're like, Why? we'll go ahead and buy. No one knows. How that I mean? How can that be a problem? Apparently, I don't I don't have a lot of experience with the Yeti, but I've I've been reading on like you know reactions to things where people are like, oh, I don't know why people use this company. I don't know why this is always they always drop the ball on things like this. I don't know. Yeah, um, weird. So I don't know. I I just went ahead and bought this on PS5. 
um, because it was fifteen bucks, and and my my backed copy of this of the main game is PS Five, so I figure like, well, I want the version that's going to import the save, so I just decided to buy it, and I don't regret. I think fifteen bucks is pretty great for this. Yeah, I'm super happy with that. Yeah, okay, Um, and it's free on Game Pass, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. So if you have Game Pass, Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly I would recommend because there's nothing else to play. Yeah, there's not much else to play, (laughs) but also it's like a nice, it's a real nice little Metroidy like you know, little action combat like. Yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about it as yeah. long as you're ready for the fact that you're going to be running through the same areas a lot to mm-hmm. you know to to do new side quests and to like kind of go back and open new areas. There's some backtracking. Yeah. yeah, there's a fair amount of backtracking, but I think the combat's entertaining enough that I don't really mind. Yeah, and uh, I mind fighting the bosses over and over because the bosses all respawns and and it's just satisfying to like go back and like you know that tree boss like I can kill that guy one hit with now. one hit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. It's, it's it's cool. You yeah, know? there's a charm to that for sure. So there you go, this Ayudan Chronicle. Is it Chronicle or Chronicles? It's Chronicle, I think. Okay, Rising. And again, it's the precursor to Ayudan Chronicle, which is coming next year, which is the spiritual successor to Suikoden, mm. which we've been waiting way too long for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. That's Game Phase 300. Um, we will take... Vincent saying is he thinks it's a different team. That's even more interesting. A different team from the... I mean, that would make sense. I just don't know... But I don't would know, it make I don't sense? Know what the, <laughs> Does it? I mean, you I'm get sure. some other team to make it? Well, yeah, because you don't want to distract from making the main game. I guess, but, but like, why even release this? I don't know. It's so weird. I, I think it know. is. Okay. I mean, maybe the idea was like, give them something to chew on while they're waiting for the final game, real game? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why the Bloodstained game got made either. I, I, that's a... That other spinoff, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, a, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a Japanese thing. Maybe like, do they? Is that like a conventional a, wisdom thing? How they thing? think they're supposed to do it? I don't know. It's I mean, bizarre. I'm not gonna argue. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, and I and it like makes me feel better about the main game because yeah. I'm like, oh, this does feel like so. Like I see the Suikoden pedigree in this, and I feel better about you know because you know, look, so like, I love Suikoden. Like so, you know, Suikoden one and two are I think two of the greatest JRPGs ever made. Yeah, and like. I'm going to have the same kind of trepidation about this as I will for like Mass Effect 4. I'm just like, look, look, I hope it's good, but I'm not going to be shocked or disappointed horribly if it isn't. But like this, this has those vibes to it. And I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Like this, this has definitely boosted my optimism towards the, the main game by how like on the nose this thing is yeah. really. And it's competent. Yeah. Well-developed, which is a good sign, even if it is a different team. Um, okay, that's it for Game Phase 300. I would love to take some questions from you guys. And I do want to take a minute to just thank you guys. A lot of you guys subscribe with Twitch Prime. I saw at the beginning. This whole show started differently than most Game Faces do. So there was mm-hmm. no chance to kind of do the housekeeping at the beginning of the show. So I'm going to do it now. I'm also going to thank you, all you guys who subscribe with Twitch Prime. Pharaoh Doll, thank you for gifting all the subs. That's awesome. Um, this is for Vidya Games. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Um... JM Rain, thank you for gifting all the subs. I can't go back and thank all you guys, but you guys have been awesome this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Zed Saber plans for Game Phase 400. Let's just try to get there first. <laughs> Let's not worry about 2024 just yet. Yeah, 2025. I think it'll be longer than that till we would get to 400. So yeah, um, it's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. So somewhere in 20, late 2024, probably. Yeah. Well, if we can survive, I mean, that's really the X factor. If we'll be around to do 400. In the year 2525, if man is still alive. <laughs> no one knows that. Story. Or it may be a case where, like, we I kick, I start Game Face back up when I'm, like, 65. <laughs> I mean, look, there's nothing to say we can. I mean, the show didn't really cost anything. Yeah. Well, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, Space. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Just don't run B-roll. Yeah. That's not what costs money, unfortunately. Mm. Um, 
Thank you guys. Thanks for everything through 300 episodes. Um, I had originally planned on verbally naming all of the people who are pledging at the $30 or more per month. Um, in fact, I'm just going to run that right now to thank you guys again. And I had originally, I was going to read all these names out loud because you guys are the reason we got to 300. Like all our patrons matter, obviously, but you guys are giving us 30 bucks a month. Uh, to make sure that this show keeps going. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. It's, um, especially now, I know a lot of you guys are, you know, everyone's feeling the pinch of inflation and everything. I'm sure a lot, and I've seen it. Like, we, we've lost so many patrons over the last, like, five months, and every single one of them says, my financial situation changed, my financial situation changed, my financial situation changed. I know it's tough out there. So um, I just want to thank all you guys who pledge at that $30 or more per month, like, you guys are the ones who are putting the, the food on the table, so to speak, with Game Face, and I really appreciate it. And I wish I hadn't run out of time or I would have read all your names um, out loud, and that's what I wanted to do at the end of the show. Um, a couple other housekeeping things before we go, and we are at the longest episode of Game Face ever at this point, I believe. Um, we launched a new show. I mentioned it in the last episode of Game Face. I teased it. It is now launched to our patrons, and it will be going up in the next day or two on our YouTube channel, and that show is called New Dimension. It is a show that chronicles some of the industry's biggest franchises and how they transition from 2D to 3D. The first episode was for Super Mario. We're already in production for the next one. It will be a monthly show. Um, it's a big project, as you might expect. Vincent's been working on it. He's been doing a great job. Mike's Q's been doing the voice work, the biggest project he's ever done as far as voice work is concerned. It's a lot. Uh, the script is huge for this thing. Uh, but once a month, we'll be releasing a new episode. And all I want to say is, again, when it go comes out on YouTube for free here in the next couple of days, can you guys please share the show and like the show on YouTube? It, We really need this show to hit. Like, we really need this show to hit. Um, and just you guys going and liking the YouTube version, the public version of it, can send it up into the algorithm. And I do think that this is a show that has the capability to do big numbers. Um, a podcast, there's tons of other podcasts. There's no other feature like this. There's no other feature on YouTube that chronicles franchises going from 2D to 3D. This is a brand new idea. So it has a chance and we really need this people. Like we need this show to hit. So keep an eye on our Twitter feed. Um, we're at Sifted Games on Twitter if you're not following us already. We will obviously tweet whenever the show goes live on YouTube. Please go and like the show. Click that thumbs up. It can make a huge difference for us. And if obviously, if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that as well. Um, but Vincent did a great job on it. Mike's Q did a great job on it. The first episode, it got unanimous praise from our patrons and our subscribers on Sifted and on our Patreon. I really think it has a chance to do something special, And but we need you guys to help us do that. So I'd really appreciate any help. You can give New Dimension 2D to 3D. Um, Good Morning Gaming has gone on hiatus. Um, if you listened to the last episode of Good Morning Gaming, you know why. Um, we just aren't making any money. And um, I was running myself ragged doing the show. And all this happened since I've launched the show is the Patreon has gone down drastically. Um, and honestly, like as I mentioned in a prior show, I'm just not making ends meet anymore. So I'm having to spend the time that I was spending on that show trying to make money in other ways like I just I can't make a living off sifted anymore so I have to like do some freelance work or find some other gigs uh, to pay my bills so I just can't do it anymore now if our patreon goes back up and it does get above that four thousand dollar mark 
then I can consider doing it again. But that was the condition of the show anyway, was it needs to be at 4,000. I kept doing the show for months, even though it was well below that, hoping the show could bring it back up. It wasn't working. So I, I got to make a living, folks. That's all there is to it. None of this is free, um, and my bills aren't free either. So um, that is on hiatus, and maybe our Patreon goes up eventually, and I can get back to it. I really love doing the show. It's a bummer that um, I had to put it on hiatus. And then finally, Ask Shane Anything is changing back to the way it was before. It is going to be kind of like Pactor Factor in that we put out a call out for questions. In fact, there's a call for questions right now. You can find it on the homepage at sifted.net or on our Patreon. Um, and I'll just answer those questions kind of in a canned way, uh, the way Pactor Factor does them. The last Ask Shane Anything we try to do is a live stream. No one showed up. Not a single person. <laughs> I sat there until 1220. Nobody showed up, and I was like, okay, you have spoken. So you guys don't want to do it. Um, you don't want to do the podcast thing. <laughs> That's a different show called Ask Shane Nothing. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was <laughs> that day. And it did suck because I had set aside mm. time on my Saturday to do the show, and like nobody bothered to show up. My wife had wanted me to go out with her that day, and I'm like, I have to do this show, and she got pissed off at me, and then nobody showed up for it. So um, Ask Shane Anything is going back to the old way of doing things. Uh, go ask a question right now. It's up at sifted.net. Um, and then it'll be the finished product will be more like Pactor Factor. And honestly, that's the way we did like the first 30 episodes of Ashing Anything or maybe more actually. So anyway, that's all the housekeeping. Again, thanks to everybody who has supported Game Face from that day one that we saw in that montage. And it is interesting. I was going through all the old episodes and it's a little sad to see people who have left because um, those first 20 episodes of Game Face, like they're getting... 150 200 likes on sifted and like literally like 150 comments mm -hmm. and now to go and look at those comment sections and you can see the people who no longer subscribe because now they're basic and to see like some of those people that have disappeared were like great community members who had like their on-site level was like 20 some and i'm like what happened that you decided to leave you know it's anyway Welcome to my life. <laughs> but I do appreciate everyone who has stuck around this whole time. And I do appreciate those people as well, because without them, we never would have got on our feet and had this show going. So um, I appreciate all of it. You guys are awesome. Uh, thank you for your support. Thanks for sticking around and watching this whole damn thing, because we're going on like three and a half hours at this point. You guys are warriors and soldiers. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up. Wait a minute. Hmm? I have the clip wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, yep. <laughs> the longest, actually, I did like Game Face is up and out like 10 times on the intro. So you got your quota already. But mm -hmm. once again, Game Face is up and out. <laughs>